Who's the coolest person that in person came up and was like, yo, I love your game? Oh my God. I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, Jay-Z, and then later mm -hmm. signing to like That's his so sports cool, agency, dude. and then sitting in a room with him. And, and my only question in the entire meeting, and I go like, why me? Like of all the athletes you could choose in New York City or in the world, like why me? He goes, well, up until this point, you've done everything that I would do if I were in your shoes. And I was like, holy shit. And I was like, okay, noted, where, where do I sign? Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. A couple sports intersecting today. We've got first Monday Night Football recap. Everything that went down in the two games across the four teams on Monday night. Chris is going to talk about it, review it, recap it. We also talk a little Deion Sanders and is Bryce Young a QB sneakable quarterback to wrap up our quick hit through the NFL. And then we get Nate Collins in here. Dr. Fax brings on his good buddy, Victor Cruz. New York Giant Victor Cruz. They were in the same draft class together. They joined the Jets together. And Nate was sitting right next to Victor Cruz when Victor Cruz went off and gained a couple hundred thousand followers in what felt like a couple hours. Chris gets Victor's take on the current state of the New York Giants. What really went into the boat photo with the G-Men? Odo Beckham's first practice. And why Victor Cruz decided to let Jay-Z represent him. And then our second sport of the day, we go to lacrosse. Paul Rabel, the head man at the PLL, former player, former all-star, former everything, now co-founder of the PLL. It's championship weekend. The Atlas and the Water Dogs face off this weekend. Paul gives you a little preview, what to expect, maybe what to bet. And Chris and Paul go down memory lane of their respective lacrosse careers, where it might have gone wrong for Chris. And what Johns Hopkins was like in the mid-2000s. Y'all enjoy this show. We will be back on Friday with our usual suspects, Macon and Stanford Steve. Stay tuned for that, and we will catch you then. square with you guys pardon the energy it is uh 10 46 p.m came in here after a day at inside the nfl got off the plane came home kissed the babies went to the diamond got shelled by some guys that work at a mexican restaurant um i'm not so those those <laughs> fellows look pretty familiar i'm not sure they they might just be sponsored by yeah they're sponsored restaurant. by guadalajara because we sure played them last week yeah i was or expecting last year. people that could make bomb ass uh taquitos to come out to the game like at least after the game they'd have like a white uh table set out with like i don't know sh mexican street tacos but nah they don't even work at the restaurant they're just guys that are good at softball hired they, guns they were hitting the ball left and right and i was out there just you know, I couldn't do anything about it. I got shelled. I'm still sweating. You know, I let you had a strikeout. I had a strikeout. So you're now you're now tied. I had a strikeout. Yeah, you did. Really? Yeah, you struck out to end an inning. No shit. Yeah, shit. Kind of. Now... I was kind of like SpongeBob, Mr. Crab, yeah. with the like the the shaking underwater scene. Yeah. Gif. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't really all there. You're now tied. Uh, Tied for the lead in career all-time green light strikeouts. Nice. I thought you were going to say walks or oh, something. No. 
Okay, no, I anyways. think you have that already. So I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tired, man. Like it's just been a long day. I was, I, I told you, I was, I was wiped on Monday, and then this inside the NFL thing is like it, it's a, it's a little bit more travel than I'm used to, like going to Philly in and out in a day. But I, I decided this week I need a night at a hotel. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to treat myself. I'm gonna go up there Monday night. You know, like get a little work done, pass out. I'm working on three hours sleep. So I get to the Westin. They dropped me off at the wrong side of the Westin, the Uber driver. I'm convinced he knew that he was dropping me off on the wrong side. But you know sometimes when they do that lazy shit. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know where the fuck I am. I've never been to the Mount Laurel Westin. Um, so I walk in, and it's just like a bunch of ballrooms. It's like one of those ballroom hotels, right? Yep. So I'm like walking through these ballrooms. I'm exhausted, little stoned kind of felt like the shining but then it hit me there was this really warm feeling that came over me and it was familiarity the Westin is like the epitome of the hotel that we would stay at on the road <laughs> like when I played and I loved going to the hotel like loved it and the older I got the more I loved it because you get married you have kids people are loud there are people in town your wife hogs the blankets like it's gotten to the point where, and she would say, I hogged the blankets because that's the story in every marriage. Um, it's just both of you are denying it. But I got to the point where, and this is something that I suggest to everybody listening to the podcast, it's good for your marriage. It's good for your sleep. Have your own blanket in the bed. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, if you cohabitate. Sure. But like it makes the world a difference. So I love a hotel and I love a Weston, man. I love the TV right next to the bed. I love the outlets. There's fucking outlets everywhere. There's outlets in the lamps. The commode is a strong commode. It's not like... It can withstand some heat. Yeah, it's not like it's seen worse. (laughs) You know, like, you know, sometimes you sit on some of these high-end construction toilets, like the ones I have in my house, they're a little bit flimsy, actually, when you get right down to it. They make the fucking Weston commodes out of, like, granite. It's amazing. I love everything about the Weston. I really do. I miss the ballrooms. I miss the eating ice cream with my buddies till 11.30 at night on, well, not 11.30, but before a night game, we'd be up pretty late watching college football, sitting around the hallways, cracking jokes. I had that, like, uh, that nostalgia that hit me, and I, I had a great time at the Weston, and I got to work the next day, and I was like, Ryan Clark was like, where'd you stay last night? I was like, I came in last night early night at the hotel he's like you got a night at the hotel he goes i love going to the hotel <laughs> who doesn't he, he's like that's a married man thing is like you know everybody's like why would you want to go stay at the Westin? you got this beautiful house like it's just so fucking quiet like you know it's just the one night of quiet so shout out to the Westin. i wanted to start the pot off by shouting out the Westin. they don't pay me anything they got ice machines they got heavenly beds strong wi-fi Love the Weston. Call us. We can do some ad reads. There's more where that came from. I want to give a hello to Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, you guys probably haven't seen the video, but there was a naked man walking through that fucking airport that looked, I mean, like dead ringer for Kyle. I mean, maybe Kyle's ass is a little bit bigger, which is just, but this guy, this guy walks like Kyle. I mean, he's just sauntering through the airport. The guy taking the videos, like, this guy's got to be 6'7". He's walking by TGI, TGI Fridays with his 
twig and berries out. There's just people gawking. What's crazy to me is the people, the, look at the guy with the roller. Go back, the guy with the roller doesn't even react. He just keeps on going to D16. So I, this is, I don't know what kind of drugs this guy's on. I don't know if it's like he's an influencer and this is some publicity stunt. I don't know if it's Kyle. I haven't asked Kyle. I don't know if the Cowboys brought Kyle in for the workout or something. Like, was there an injury to, to the interior O-line Saturday or Sunday that I don't even know what day it is, but Sunday that I don't know about because that looks like fucking Kyle Long walking C-29. He's walking towards gates C-29 through C whatever the fuck, but it's Kyle Long. I, did and, he go through security in that state? Like, where did no, where does, he definitely, at what point does he lose his clothes? Well, what you do is you go into the bathroom with the the methamphetamine that you smuggled <laughs> through security, and you and you, I figure I don't know what you guys do with your meth, but do you just snort it? Like, what kind of drug has you walking naked through <laughs> Dallas Fort Worth Airport, dude? AC's pumping. I don't know what you're working with, you know. Fuck, airports are dirty too. Some people, just off the fact that this guy's walking around in his bare feet, would be disgusted with this video, let that alone the, the fact. Yeah, dude. Guy's just riding the moving sidewalk. Guy's riding the moving sidewalk naked. You know, he's in Hudson News buying a bag of dried apples for. Where's my wallet? I don't have one. He just pulls it out of his ass. He's, he's suitcased his American Express. Like, what is he doing, dude? What are you doing, guy? Like, you're... Oh, my God. And there's no authorities. Like, this video is eight seconds. You would think it would take four seconds for somebody to neutralize a naked man of his stature. Like, get everybody down there. I need the National Guard. This guy's fucking crazy. And then he points at the guy who's taking the video because the guy's like, there's a naked man in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. And the guy's like... Yeah, there is. <laughs> and he points at the camera. So the guy's co coherent, but he's naked and he's at the airport. So go check out the video. Mitchell uh, Schwartz, who uh, saw the same thing I saw, said, someone go get Kyle Long. Hey, layup line today, because uh, I got to do it. I've been getting away from the layup line. I am sorry about that. I don't know, it's just one more thing to worry about, but you guys like it. Some people hit me up and they're like, yeah, we like the music. I'll go Footsteps in the Dark, the Isley Brothers, but the live version. The other night I was on Twitter, X, and I saw some former teammates arguing about the voices of Ron Isley and Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> and I was like, this is like a not my business argument, right? Like <laughs> kind of one of those things. I'm like, yeah, not my business. But I, I definitely have picked a side in the argument. It was Snacks Harrison arguing with Anthony Johnson, one of my former teammates, LSU standout, and uh, played with him on the Patriots. Great guy, love the guy. But I don't think you can say, and I know Teddy P's a Philly guy and what might have been, but like vocally, it's Ron Isley, dude. Listen to Footsteps in the Dark live. There's a couple other names I'd throw in the hat, but I was afraid to. Like Bill Withers, for instance, doesn't get enough credit. He's talking about voices. Um, so anyways, 
layup line. All right, so here's the deal. There was a terrible situation that happened in uh, Foxborough, and there was a fight in the stands. And, like, you know, when you hear horror stories about fights, it's usually not the punch. It's the guy falling down and getting flat-backed on the concrete. And I've heard, actually, there was a guy at UVA who got in a fight, like fair fight, the whole thing outside. I think actually, I don't know who instigated, but guy hit the pavement and died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this incident resulted the same way in New England. A Dolphins fan, it doesn't matter whose team, you know, the fan roots for. They're two human beings. It should have nothing to do with the guy had a Tyreek Hill jersey on. Tyreek said early in the week, that he doesn't like Pats fans. I saw a tweet today that was like, he's liable. Like, no, he's not. The two human beings need to decide that it's not worth it to fight at a fucking pro football game. And we've been guilty of joking about these fights and that sort of thing, but this is the thing that can happen. And um, I feel just terrible about it. I mean, the guy was there with his kid. The guy's name was Dale Mooney. I just wanted to shout out uh, Savan Ahmed from the Dolphins for uh, stepping up and, and sharing a GoFundMe. So we'll attach that to the, uh, the show right there on Spotify or, or on uh, Apple, wherever you consume the podcast. YouTube, I think we can do that too, right, Reed? So um, there's that. That was, that was terrible. And, you know, it's a fucking football game. It's like the Dion thing. I'll just get into it right now. I thought Dion said something today that was so needed. Um, he got up in front of the podium and he has just continually aced his post-game pressers, his media sessions, the whole thing. The guy's brilliant. Um, and I think he's the good human being in him really shines in a situation like this where the cat from Colorado State, I, I don't know the guy's name, but everybody's seen the hit. Uh, supposedly a good player. And definitely a dirty hit. I don't know if he's a dirty player every week or if he got gassed up and made a terrible decision. But Travis Hunter is out. He's out for a month. His lacerated kidney. Like, these are car accident injuries. It's a violent game. It was the kind of thing where when the hit happened, I was like, he gets ejected, right? Like, or there's like some, you know, something that happens, right? But it didn't. And I almost felt like it was like, I have no frame of reference. I have not seen a guy just hit a guy this late on the sideline. So the guy gets fucking death threats. Like people are emailing him or messaging him like, I'm going to kill you. You know what a death threat is. Messaging his family too. Messaging his family. I don't know what it is about today, but I just feel like people are very callous. And I also think people lack critical thinking skills. People have a really hard time taking two thoughts that seem diametrically opposed, even though they're not, and deciding that they're not mutually exclusive. The one thought being that this is a dog shit play, and I wouldn't have blamed anybody for lining this kid up Saturday night. You know, I could have been sleeping in the fourth quarter. Somebody could have just absolutely cleaned this guy's clock around the pile, concussion, whatever it was, and I would have said he had it coming to him. But death threats are like a whole nother thing, man. Like, we're talking about football. We're talking about a game. It's like we were just talking about the Patriots fan. It's a fucking game. You know, just 
just like be able to at the end of the game say it's a college kid and i'm a grown-up presumably mm-hmm. unless you're a fucking teenager some of these xbox kids uh, you know like they're not above it but it's a grown man writing a college kid saying i'm gonna kill you like again it's ridiculous and the fact that you know i don't know if you hang around a, a lot of people that you know after something like this are like well he kind of he's getting what he, what he deserves but i was in a group text with a guy and he was like you know play stupid games win stupid prizes i'm like that is the most dangerous fucking saying backwards on the internet right now it's like i agree on wingsuit guys and you know people that do things that statistically lead to death like people that hang out of a moving car get hit by a stop sign like curtains humpty dumpty situation um but this guy made a dirty football play and you're saying like his family should be threatened people lack critical thinking skills in 2023 and sometimes rarely you get the one guy that can calm everybody the fuck down that has sense and Dion was the one guy and today came out and said that kid's a good player he made a mistake I'm not even going to call him dirty mm-hmm. which I think he's taking the high road but I think he means this death threats are way out of bounds and like I cannot believe and somebody made the point I can't believe that we're giving a guy so much credit and we should mm-hmm. because it's needed for saying something like death threats are too far it and shouldn't the have climate had... is crazy yeah. out there right now in the world dude it's Absolutely. just nuts and we've talked about how Dion's kind of like a politician like the way he handles those press conferences like yeah settling everybody down that's yeah. incredible yeah he's great I didn't want to say it but you said politician I was like I was I was typing out notes for the show and I was like Dion president question mark <laughs> and I'm like honestly like fuck and somebody you know they'll point to Tommy Tuberville and shit and I'll be like yeah it's a it's a fucking different deal I, I think Dion's great. I think that was, I rarely get, you know, I'm kind of dry and I struggle to tweet because I'm so like, I don't want to get excited about anything. But today I was like, oh, I got to love this up because fuck, an adult in the room, right? It's, it's not just morally responsible. It's also smart as a football team that has a huge game this weekend where they're 20 point dogs and needs to like refocus on that. Are they 20 point dogs? Yeah, against Oregon. And so, shout out Travis Hunter because he he did the same. He forgave the guy on his podcast. He was he was like, you know, it, it it's a football play. It happens. I expect it when you know. I, I I expect something when I put on my helmet and step on the field. And I don't know if he means that or not, but good for him saying whatever. If I were him, I'd be like, I'm coming to get you, motherfucker. Yeah. But <laughs> Travis Hunter, he's got nothing to stress over. This kid's a speed bump for him, and uh, he he got on like one of these live streams, I don't even know what to call it, he's on Twitch or something, wearing a giraffe suit, mm-hmm. like just hanging out. He, is Travis Hunter okay? He's okay, yeah, yeah. he's wearing a fucking giraffe suit. I wanna be good enough at something one day that I can wear a fucking giraffe suit and look cool and confident and classy. I love the Colorado Buffaloes. All right, Monday night football. You know, it's Wednesday morning for many of you. Tuesday night for us. Uh, I was traveling last night during the game. Got to watch the fourth quarter at a bar uh, in Mount Laurel. 
next to a Steelers fan. He didn't know who I was. Don't blame him. But he was giving me the the four one one on what's going on in Pittsburgh, and uh, I was like, I kind of think Matt Canada might be a problem, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, you know. And of course, I was like, I love Steelers fans, man. They they just show up. I love the the mafia guys. The whole thing, the suits are a little weird sometimes, but it's fuck it fucking works. I love Steelers fans, so. I feel for you guys. The offense is disappointing, to say the least. I, I'll just start with this because Pickett has regressed, it seems. You know, like I was on the hype train. And maybe I still think he's good. Like somebody was like, you really think Pickett's good? I was like, yeah, I do. He came on the pod. Like, I think he's good. I think the guy's good. I think he's got like, and I don't want to throw the word good around. He's good enough to start in the NFL. You don't like the word average, though. I don't like the the word, but nobody who's good enough to start in the NFL at quarterback right, right. for like a period of time is average. Not even in a, in a sense of like if you, even if you're 15, mm-hmm. if you're like 27, 25 on the reg, relatively speaking, you're kind of average. It's like when people talk shit about basketball players, mm-hmm. never call an NBA player a bad player. Yeah. Like everybody has a ball and a hoop around the world. It's not like football. And quarterbacks, everybody wants to be a quarterback. So all I'm saying is, Kenny Pickett, I don't think he's trash. Now, he played bad last night. He stared down that first pick. Um, you know, I don't want to over oversimplify the run game, but it felt like there were a lot of bodies in there early in that game. And Najee Harris, people are pissed at him. You know, people like Warren. Warren's kind of the guy that's come on like late last year and people, you know, there's probably a faction that's anti-Najee and like, hey, give this guy more touches. But, you know, it's hard being the number one. And um, I also think this this offense, the scheme, while I can't explain exactly why, it's like, it's gross right now. Um, there are a lot of things I would do differently. I, I've been hyped about Darnell Washington. Where's the 12 personnel mm-hmm. stuff? You know, we were talking about this earlier, me and Nolan. Would you rather have Allen Robinson out there or Darnell? Like, who's going to help you do the things you want to do more? Where, do you, where, are you, where are you more of an outlier? Because, like, it doesn't scare me having Allen out there at this stage in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Darnell's this guy who, like, you know, there's an unknown upside like to see him play um and of course listen i'm spending a lot of time on a lot of other stuff i glossed over the kenny thing it's just because he played bad like what he, he played bad you know i don't know what he's looking at sometimes the receivers you know sit down in zone like find a find a, a void seems like they're just continuing to run the route so um i don't know i'm sure steelers fans are like i'm with you I have no idea because the the roster fuck dude you get that that ball to George Pickens more easy schemed up stuff for that fucking guy right there like he should be like I'd be up right now if I were Matt Canada how can I get this guy the ball don't make why make your job harder than it is it's already hard protection was decent wasn't like terrible Pickett was bad but the run game you know, Najee needs like momentum. You know, I think he's a guy that 
needs to get downhill, take big strides. You know, when he stops, it's hard for him to get started again. So, number one, there has to be space in there. Passing game's got to open that up. And uh, the scheme, you know, like, let's get on the same page up front, the whole thing. Let's. I'm just saying because I got the, the overwind total. <laughs> so, Steelers offense, they, they got work to do. Um, and I just want to say this because I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the, the Browns defense. The fucking back end's playing really well. Mm-hmm. Ward's good. Like, as he's sticky. Man guy. Like, he, he's just... Hard-hitting. Delpit's played well two weeks in a row. Rodney had a pick. Did he Did he not? He dropped he it. He dropped it. He, they, they, Kenny gifted him one, though. He gifted him one. Yeah. Close. Uh, so, you know, like, Schwartz has got those guys playing. And yeah. Shelby Harris looked good. That's our guy. We love Shelby Harris. They're going to be competitive because of that defense, and that brings me to the point of, like, you know, everything's changed for them with Nick Chubb out. And I'm watching that thing last night, and when they say, and we're not going to show you this play, you know it's as bad as it can be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a new thing in, in today's world where you're like, why do fans have to see it? It's like the people getting cut. Like, why do we have this... this um we're not entitled to it. We're not entitled to it. It's gore. It's kind of gore. You know, like. Absolutely. But I also think with the way everything went down last night, I had to look at it a bunch because people were throwing the word dirty around with Minka. Yep. And not just throwing around, like they seem to have a point. Like, because when I first saw it in slow motion, and that's the way things go in slow motion, you're like, oh my God, dude, you, you, you're going for it, huh? You're just going for it you're just head down torpedoing into this guy's knee you see the guy on his back i at first i was like he's probably i mean like people say he has a history right okay i can't speak to every situation that steelers fans or browns fans have seen or not seen it's a division rivalry i'm sure you guys remember every play but taking that play in a vacuum i decide to sleep on it to make the determination as if it's important what I think. And I woke up and watched the All-22. And I'm frame by frame trying to figure out where he's lowering his head. Because I feel like in real time, it felt like he was being held up for seconds. But in actuality, this thing is bang, bang. And I know some of you are gasping at home because you think it was dirty and you think like I'm Mr. Good Guy and I am. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I, I wasn't a, a dirty player. I had an edge to me, but I never played dirty. Except the guy that I punched in the nuts in high school because they were high-lowing me, which was compared to the act of going low on Nick Chubb. And I'll just say this. It's not a, it's not a clean comparison. I saw Ryan Clark getting into it with Nate Burleson, and Ryan Clark's the host of the show. So I come in this morning, and I'm kind of like, I kind of disagree with Ryan Clark. Not that it's the end of the world. Like, we're not talking politics here. We're talking about two guys running 17 miles an hour crashing into each other in a pile of bodies. So if you have a different take than me, hey, we disagree. But when you throw the word dirty around, it has to be malicious, okay? It's, you can say it's a, it's a bad tackle, it's lazy, or it's cowardly, whatever you wanna say. Somebody would say you can't hit him up high, you got you to gotta take these guys low. 
And I'd say, well, that's pretty valid. But I got to the All-22, and I'm watching, and his head's coming down about the time, just a millisecond after the backer comes off on Chubb. Um, not to mention, I also went through the All-22 and looked at, hey, did this happen at all in any other situations? Not to mention it's low red, and points are on, you know, like in a low-scoring game, it's like, hey, it's kill or be killed down there. Um, 23, because he first the Steelers I mean like you can you can pull up the play uh I'm not snitching because again this is a football play some guys decide to do it um he goes low a couple times in the game I think there was a play in the fourth quarter uh where he was kind of like shoulder to the ground rolling into the guy and that's not Nick Chubb it's like whoever was forward or something it's whoever's backing up Nick Chubb so it is terrifying to have that running back coming your way and like your livelihood is getting that guy on the ground. And at first I thought it was dirty when I saw in real time because I didn't play that position. And I also don't pay attention to every time a guy tackles a guy low, is somebody draped on them, is somebody not draped on them? Because most times guys don't get hurt. The difference between that play and somebody holding a guy up and high-lowing a guy you know, I punched a guy nuts over that because it's, it's fucking malicious. Like there's not, it's not only outlawed now, but back in the day it was used as a technique to get after people. My dad used to get high load because he was so fucking good. And these guys, you know, these 290 pound guys are just getting thrown around like he-mans out there. Like they're tired of Howie Long humping them by. And they're fucking, they're just diving at his knees. And he's going over the, the line coach like, I want to see you in the tunnel. <laughs> it's dangerous and it's different because when a guy's being high load, he's got two rods in the ground. All the weight is coming through those two rods. They're stationary. You're stationary. There's no expectation of being high load. So in today's game, there's no comparison to that. You know confidently that unless somebody falls into your legs, which ended my, my season at one point almost, it happens, you're gonna be fine. Uh, when you're running back, your feet are always moving. They're always up and down. And most times, you're not as unlucky as Nick Chubb was. And, you know, I, I listen, I think it's unfortunate. It's a, it's a bind that the NFL's in. You can't hit guys up top. For you to single that play out and say, like, Minka's the dirtiest player because of that he intended on injuring him, I think you, I, I would caution you to look at more of the games on Sunday and find these situations where guys are just knifing guys' legs out because it happens all the time. And, you know, I, I took it a step further because I wasn't sure about giving this take because I, I respect Nick Chubb. He's been through it. I feel bad for him. I never want anybody to think I'm dirty or condone it. Um, but I texted a couple guys that I respect that played in the back end in the NFL, multiple guys. Some I played with, some I played against. Guys who I, I, without a shadow of a doubt, are not dirty players. And they were like, no. I, I saw all that stuff today. You know, like, he's not thinking about the linebacker. He's not thinking about anything but getting this dude on the ground. And slow motion doesn't help. And Monday Night Football doesn't help. Because Monday Night Football... And I'm not comparing the actions, but in this very same matchup, Miles Garrett hit a guy with a helmet a couple years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday. 
because I just asked him to be the head of my Waterboys charity. And he's a great guy, made a terrible mistake, in my opinion. And you'd have thought that Monday that he was Hitler, like that no one had ever struck somebody with a helmet in a football fight before. I think it's happened since. There were guys that covered the NFL for 30 years who were tweeting about, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I have seen another man on maybe more than one occasion strike other men with helmets in football fights. It is supposed to be a no-no, but it happens. The line gets blurred. It's the most violent sport in America. And we know it's dangerous. We know it's dangerous for the RBs. This is why we know it's dangerous. And it sucks. I feel terrible for Nick Chubb. I don't want anybody to get it twisted. I, I, I don't condone dirty shit. But athletically, it is really hard to make that split-second decision that, oh, here's my opportunity to cut his legs out. There's a guy on his shoulder a, milli, a millisecond before I get here. I just I, I can't call the man dirty. I just can't do it. So if that makes me a bad guy, I don't know. But I'm definitely not tweeting that because people on there are fucking crazy. But you at home, you can hear my voice. You can hear my tone. I've carefully come to this conclusion. And if anything, I don't know shit because I never played the position. But as a fan, with the access I have to the people I have, with the access to pristine all 22 footage, a button that can scrub, a button that can go slow-mo, I feel like it's a bang-bang play and it's really hard. And I, feel, I bet he feels terrible. You know, I don't know if they've called each other. I always wonder after situations like that. But you can say you don't like it. I don't like it sometimes, you know, when guys like, I want my corners to fucking face somebody up sometimes and my safeties to face people up. But it's Nick Chubb. It's the fucking four-yard line. I can't demonize the guy. Okay, I had to get that off my, ch my chest. Now, Dan Patrick was like, hey, I want to see that. <laughs> You know, like, uh, it's like, now, I, I don't know where he was going with that, that like, hey, you know, it's an, your obligation to show it and that sort of thing. And somebody in the comments of JPA football was like, uh, somebody in the comments was like, kids don't deserve to see that. I'm like, well, your kids should be in bed. Bad stuff happens late at night on the football field, if you haven't noticed, especially on Monday Night Football. But that's the thing. When something happens on Monday Night Football, you think it's the only time it ever happened. You're so caught in the moment. Anyways, Steelers defense for me was the story of the game. The D-line hung in there and like, they're kind of down, right? Cam Hayward's down, right? Eight weeks with a groin. You're playing this big fucking O-line that just ran rough shot through their opponent last week uh, in the Bengals, who's a solid defense. Like the Bengals, you respect that unit. Um, and they played 23 plays in the first quarter. And you want to talk about a... Kyle called it a Ticonderoga game because uh, he Googled like this battle where I know nothing about it, but evidently he said our backs were against the wall and we fucking prevailed. And so he gave that award to somebody in America's teams. And in the comments uh, under the pod, like one of our comments was like, Kyle has no idea what happened to Ticonderoga, <laughs> just so you know. And I was like, you know, that's fine. I don't think he was intending to, to give you a history lesson. I just think he's funny. Um, but this was a Ticonderoga game for the Steelers. You want to talk about this? Why I bet them. You know, it's fucking... By the way, I hope you bet that Panthers-Steelers teaser I gave out. Uh, the Steelers had their backs against the wall. I mean, they got embarrassed last week. This was a huge gut check. Like, huge. I can't tell you how... What a dark place they went to this week. I've been there. 
fucking all that build up to the season, you go out and you just get blanked and it's emasculating and coaches are yelling at you. People's assholes are tight. And they went out there, a man down, one of their best guys in the run game, and hung in there. Now they got the ball run at times all over them. But, you know, Benton's small compared to some guys. He's more of a one-gap guy. They got a guy on the nose, number 57. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't know his name. He, he, uh, he's, he's not a huge guy. Like, the, these guys are outmanned in there against Cleveland's O-line. And in the pass rush, they did enough to stay alive. In the run game, they did enough to create some negative plays. Some of it was ugly. Some of it, guys are getting double teamed out of their gap, but they're popping back in and making plays. And the big story, obviously, is the edge guys. The fucking edge guys for the Steelers stood really tall. And I mean, like, TJ played a really good game. I thought Highsmith played the superior game. And people were mad about Miles Garrett's PFF grade, okay? Because he had the highest grade out of all three of them. He had like one tackle. I don't know how they're grading him, but sometimes I think they get it right. Because Miles Garrett, watch his tape. If he's not killing somebody with the ball, it's because there's five guys on him. The ball's out quick or it went the other way. That's it. Like he had a rush. He's like, you know, the, the Hummer commercial that LeBron had with the H2 that kind of mm-hmm. turns like a crab. He's like the H2 that can move sideways at the top of the rush. There's no sense in this guy being so fucking big and being able to get his shin angle so low at the top of the rush. He dug his cleat in on that little yellow twinkle. And I don't even know what that is. That is that like, what is that? It stands for like some sort of thing you mine. Is it <laughs> yeah, steel? Uh... It's a steel thing. The yellow little, that's my favorite one. He dug in on that yellow motherfucker. All 285 pounds of him, sideways, running full speed. And, you know, Pickett got the ball off, pitched it off. But plays like that, I'm just like, oh, my God. And I just got done watching the Steelers fucking film on All-22. I'm like, this is the most wild thing I've seen all night. Like, Highsmith's a really good player. I love him. I fucking DM with his dad on Twitter. I love the guy. I want to get Highsmith on the – but Miles Garrett's a mutant. And I thought Highsmith played his ass off, man. I thought – he looks really good. He played the read. He played like a read option really well. He had the pick six, obviously, which I think was tipped by the right end. The TJ Watt sack. That's the high low concept. You know, that's High Smith going low, taking the inside move, which was there for him a lot. He landed some great spin moves on Wills and flushing somebody so that TJ can get a sack at nine yards. Like, so he created a sack there. He created a sack later in the game, or maybe it was, uh, you know, one yard gain on a scramble. 37 comes down, knocks Deshaun down with the game uh, on the line, kind of late in the game on a third down. That's Highsmith. I mean, with the game on the line, he's fucking, he's got, he's got Wills on skates. And so I just thought he played such a great game. He's worth mentioning. Um, Ogan Joby played really well. When the, when, and Ogan Joby had to step up, right? And it was scrappy inside. But the two dogs outside have to set that edge like a motherfucker. Everything has to, you got to constrict everything. When you're missing your dude inside, you got to be, you got to do your job and some. And I thought they did that. And I thought like 23 plays in the first quarter against that offensive line, what a gut check win for the Steelers. The defense, hats off to them. And so the question is with the AFC North, how does the outlook change? I think it does change. I think it totally changes. I, 
and I'm not being like hyperbolic here, but I do think we've had this whole running back conversation, their value, the whole thing. Nick Chubb's in that weird sweet spot where you are really the team's destiny. Like you, you're inextricably tied to where the Browns go. Of all the guys that could get hurt, Saquon just got hurt. They're going to play Thursday night in, in San Francisco. The only shot they had to win that game and be competitive was with Saquon on the field after a short week, and that is an all-day sucker for them. Okay, Niners, fucking McCaffrey didn't get touched for a couple yards. It was five and a half a carry. So they played a physical game that was really hard-fought, hard competitive. They had a big 21-point comeback. They got to go to San Francisco without Saquon. That's a big deal, but the difference is they're not talking about winning the division. That team's not going to win the division, okay? The, the, the Browns are supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. I picked them to finish fourth. I didn't know Nick Chubb was going to get hurt. I just don't believe in Deshaun like that. But if they're going to do it, it's got to be the defense now. And there's, hey, the, the kid broke off a big run once, a great job, and the O-line can make anybody look good. But I do think Nick Chubb is such a plus out of all the running backs that could have gotten hurt the one that seismically shifts the situation is Nick Chubb. You know, like if Josh Jacobs got hurt, you know, if any of these guys arguing over their, their deals got hurt, it'd be terrible. You'd feel bad, but the team's going to go on because Raiders don't have aspirations, the whole thing. The Browns, the situation changes. And I don't know, the Baltimore Ravens, they look pretty good to me right now. They can't afford to lose a bunch more guys. Vegas agrees with you. Ravens are now minus 110 to win the division. Thank you, Lord, because I felt like a weirdo making that pick and you know like we'll forget about the chargers pick you forget about that i didn't know chris jones was coming back didn't know didn't know fucking aaron Rodgers was gonna get hurt you know the panthers okay like i'm not gonna spend any time on this game and not because i don't respect the panthers or frank Riker or the fans i grew up a panthers fan i love y'all even though you threw zimas at me when i got ejected um, and I wasn't arguing with Steve Smith. I was, I would never, he's one of my favorite players. I was actually joking with Steve Smith, um, about the fight. And, uh, you guys, you guys are in for it, man, because the offensive line is in shambles. It's just like, I don't understand it. I thought Moten was a good player. When I played him, I was old as shit. But when I played him in Philly, I was like, oh, he's pretty good. Now they had like Cam Newton and the, it's hard to get them into situations where you're just like, uh, oh, teeing off. Even though I've watched like Connor Barwin sack him four times on Monday, and I don't know what the game plan was there, but can we get that one? That's a guy who can sneak the ball, Cam Newton. Well, yeah, and that's and that's what I want to talk about in a second. But like, this this film was ugly. I turned it on, and it's like the first play he's getting flat backed. These these guys are winning left and right. The tackles, Aquan, who's a high pick, Moten, who you know I thought was pretty good at one point. These guys look lost at times, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but. Whoever's coaching the unit is probably feeling pretty, like, I think he's puckered up right now. Yeah, I mean, that you could ruin the guy's career this way. Like, I'm not being dramatic. I've seen it happen. Sam Bradford was the offensive rookie of the year. That motherfucker could, he, he could have been really good. He got hit so And he much. got hit so much. I remember watching him like limp into the locker room and argue with the trainers that he, he wanted to play. And he was just, his ankle, his high ankle, his fucking everything, shoulder, the whole thing. Because he was, just, he was getting dented. And when you draft a quarterback this high, especially a little guy, like a drown in a rainstorm, I, like, I, I worry about situations like this. 
and he looked calm and poised in, in preseason, but it's a whole different ball game in the regular season because the, the heat gets turned up, you're playing the good rushers, you're playing the ones, the speed of the game increases, and the offensive line's not giving him a fucking shot. So I can't even evaluate this kid. Like, I can tell you, can he play bad? I can't tell you anything about Bryce, Bryce Young. I can't. You want me to say he's, he's not going to be any good? I have no idea. And I'm not, I reserve the right to judge the kid until you give him a shot. I mean, you got to worry about this guy being shell-shocked. The biggest news coming out of today with the Panthers, by the way, Granderson played a really good game. The rushers, I said they had to win one-on-ones, not just generate pressure. They had a different approach, and I thought they won their one-on-ones. Uh, you know, not that they didn't win rushes against the Titans, but they really took advantage of the matchups. I think Granderson's a Wyoming guy. You know, he doesn't get tired. So, um, the Panthers, man, this is the funniest headline I've read all week. It was like, update, Dov climbing, update, which is my favorite thing. Just an update, but the Panthers can't use the QB sneak. Too short. Like, on, like that was everybody's reaction, right? Like, they're, they're worried about Bryce Young. I would not sneak him because he's getting killed in the pocket. I want to give him a down off, but like, that's kind of ridiculous. I think a lot of people see the height as the problem. And, you know, like maybe it's not just the sneak uh, that they can't do. Like maybe the team, if they ever want to go to Bush Gardens, can't get in because of he's <laughs> not the, it's, not just limiting them in the sneak game. You know, like can't retrieve things from the top shelf. I was looking up all these things that, that short people can't do. And I really empathize with short kings. I actually have a couple ads written up for Macon's Pod this week. Ad men. I have a whole ad campaign targeting you know not targeting but trying to rebrand being a short king you know like the way they're doing Jesus bring notice this year too. the rebranding jesus bring right. notice bring awareness to it. it's like the rainforest hey i don't know if you guys have seen it's fucked i don't know if you notice but short kings just get shit on and they're awesome so that's what i'm gonna they bring can't to get them. the woodford from the top shelf they can't the get the woodford from the top shelf the whole thing but anyways these people are picking on bryce young and they're saying i don't know if it's true or not they're, they're taking this play off the board because he's too little. And it doesn't make any sense. When I tell you I did a deep dive on the QB sneak, I spent 20 minutes on it. Okay, Nobody's ever spent 20 minutes on QB sneak metrics. I did it. By, yeah, by that I mean I Googled QB sneak like best guys of all time. I mean, everybody knows Tom Brady is the best guy of all time. But there was this uh, article on uh, NFL.com uh, from like 2020 and it actually had, um, also, by the way, short men, they receive information quicker to their brain, which seems so simple. Like, it seems like something I would make up, but this is from, uh, this is from fatherly.com. Also, short king's blood, blood clot risk, uh, men under 5'8", is, uh, is 2.6 less times high, I fucked that up, than tall men, six foot and up. So, like... Guys, spin the bottle here with a blood clot, but it ain't gonna be Aiden. So like, congratulations. I know sometimes like girls are like, I don't date shorter guys, but like, yeah, I'll be standing there with the other guys on the ground with a blood clot. <laughs> and chances are, so they're like short guys, man. I don't like this, man. I, I empathize with you guys, man. I'm hoping this is just like counter ops. So next week or next, in a few weeks when they need to run a sneak, they just don't expect it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, no, I don't think they're running him on a sneak. I think the guy's beat up. I'm worried about him. Um, but like, 
I looked at this this chart and it was super interesting. It was a cumulative EPA from quarterback sneaks 2001 to present. Mm-hmm. You guys got any guesses here? Brady. Brady, obviously number one. You should know number two though. Once you say it, you're like, oh yeah. Cam? He, I have seen that little motherfucker jumping over the line and Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Ooh. Drew Brees, six feet tall. He if perf- that if that and he perfected he the like jump over the line and pull the ball back right. He'll yes. he'll get the first down or the touchdown whatever yes. and then pull it back so he ensures there's Which no turnover. Which is why I think this is rubbish. I don't think it's true. I think they're worried about getting beat up, and I think it has everything to do with the guard play and the center play and the offensive line. And who's fucking up right now? The offensive line's fucking up. They can't even run QB sneaks. And this short king is getting slandered because people haven't thought it out and Googled the shit for 20 minutes. I know everything there is to know about QB sneaks. You want to know the rest of the top five? It goes Brady, Breeze, Flacco, David Garrard, Cam Newton, McNabb, Carson Wentz. Okay? Team that's in short short yardage a lot. Maybe the Jets can do better on first or second down. Carson Wentz is your answer. Okay? But here's the thing with Tom Brady. Who did he have playing inside? I know some people are like, oh, guys, he just knows how to do the sneak. Knows how to do the sneak. I know there's a skill because I texted a couple of my QB buddies and I was like, is it a skill? And they were like, yeah, it's definitely a skill. But more than anything, it's about the O-line. Dan Copen. Logan Mankins, these motherfuckers, dude. These these slack-jawed fucking enforcers, dude. These plus-sized hockey guys. That's what you need in a, in a scrum. And so if the guys up front aren't being dogs, if they can't move people, you can't run the... I just think it's a funny fucking update from Dove Climate. <laughs> and so here we are talking about it on a Tuesday night. And also, by the way, interestingly, on the EPA versus attempts chart, which is one axis has got EPA, one's got attempts, really should have used Mark Bulger more in the sneak game. The guy was incredible, (laughs) but they just never ran Mark Bulger. I think it was Mark Bulger. Uh, Trent Green, on the other hand, abhorrent, down there with Brett Favre, couldn't sneak. (laughs) Guy couldn't sneak. And it's true in life, too. He can't, he's not sneaky. Like, you know, he's like, I'll just funnel seven mil... (laughs) From the welfare fund, nobody will notice his volleyball. And then he's like a little dick pic here and there. Doesn't hurt anybody. So he's not sneaky off the field, and he couldn't QB sneak. Little did I know. But, the, the you know, I was thinking it was going to be like Brock Osweiler and the whole thing. Um, it was pretty interesting. Actually, Drew Brees was a better sneaker than Tom Brady. On that chart, he's taller than Tom Brady. Wow. So, anyways, take that. Take what you will from that. You've been educated on the QB sneak. Give me too much time on my hands. All right. Um, we have two great interviews. Victor Cruz, who I love, and uh, Nate Collins and him are like best friends. I think it's really cool. Because like you like having one friend that like you can say, I know that guy. Me and him are boys. You know, like I think Nate might have the, the cooler, best, famous friend than me. I think so, because when, when Victor got on, he was like, Nay, what's good? And also when OC came on a couple years Nate! ago, OC was like, Nasty Nate! Nasty Nate! Bro, and it's so funny because they were legitimately best friends. You'll hear about it in this podcast, but like the night Victor Cruz became famous, they're riding the bus. Who's right next to his him? DMs. Like Nate got to see 
If he was the second person to see the people who DM'd Victor Cruz. When the when the when the pod ended and Nate was sitting here, he was like, That dude is he goes, he goes, Victor Cruz is like a real celebrity, bro. I don't know if you know this. He goes, like, he's like he's like high C right now. And he goes, and he used to be like high B. And you know, that's a compliment because what he's saying is like Victor Cruz was so famous and so good in the city where like it's so competitive. It's there's so many famous people, there's so many shows, there's so many acts. This guy was like the king of New York for a couple of years, bro. And uh, he was like a celebrity. I mean, he's dated famous people. He's rubbed elbows with famous people. He's friends with Jay Z. You'll hear about that. So I don't even know who my best, most famous friend is. I got to get one that just like I'm like, you know, Howie Long. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways. Here's Victor, and then at the end of the show, uh, we have a really outside-the-box guest for us. I mean, it's lacrosse, but Paul Rabel's the one guy, if I'm going to have a lacrosse guy, if not like Gary Gate, you know, uh, or my brother Howie Long, we call him Dirty Harry, former UVA standout, it would be Paul Rabel. I mean, the guy was like a player in the uh, PLL, and also the MLL back in the day, like the leagues changed a little bit, but like at some point in his career, he was like, yeah, I want to own the league or like be, you know, be one of the brass and play. So he's doing the like Tom Brady thing, but if Tom Brady was still under center and he's one of the really great players that played the game and I played lacrosse in high school. So uh, it was one of those things where we were like, we need to get, you know, Paul uh, on the show because we got the PLL championship coming on. Part of my take does the water water dogs thing. I know a guy on the water dogs, okay? Um, and Paul's the man. So stick around for that at the end of the show, especially if you like lacrosse. I think it's a fun game. I hate buying tickets. I've been playing my whole life. Never had to worry about buying tickets. The ticket part is stressful. The game's stressful. The ticket part's really stressful. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And with the Game Time app, it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. If I'm trying to see the monster trucks for my kids or Willie Nelson for me and my kids, I can find it all on the Game Time app. Game Time's the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Stag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code GREENLIGHT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code GREENLIGHT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Little Caesars is a mainstay on game day here at GREENLIGHT. We order online one hour before NFL games during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, so we're ready for some football and fun. It's a pizza pizza win, and you can win too by choosing your favorite Little Caesars pizza or customizing your favorite Little Caesars toppings and then ordering and using Little Caesars convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So on game days, order from Little Caesars. 
meet up with your buddies, and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Pizza, pizza. All right, so this is this is one of the most down to earth dudes that was ever like somebody, bro. When Vic played, he set the league on fire. He owned the league for at least a couple years and was a great player. And then the coolest dude you'd want to meet, of course, because you and him came in together. Yeah, Cruz and Collins. Yeah. We happened just Cruz to have no the last names. That's how the that's it. how the Giants. That's how they, they were separated. Yeah. That's how they did everything. It was yeah. just alphabetical order. There was no favorites yeah. or anything like that. And we ended up having lockers next to each other. Mm-hmm. And it was that journey being undrafted and kind of watching the lockers around you chain Come every go. other day Come and then and you're just like yo we're still here but you guys were you guys hung in there and so Vic's here and I just want to welcome you to the show welcome you to the show Vic uh welcome it's it's been far too long dude we got to get you on on the regular but uh how you been man I've been good man no complaints it's been uh it's been dope seeing you guys from afar doing your thing obviously all through the social channels seeing you guys do your thing so that's been a lot of fun but life is good, man. No complaints. I'm just chilling, golfing my face off every day, having a good time. My daughter's getting bigger by the millisecond. Nate's having more kids. So, like, we're, <laughs> we're all growing, man. We're all getting old. You're making Hell it happen. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Are you in New York? You got some nice modern art in the background? Are you I got something. Some... I keep it sexy for you guys, man. I do. I'm going to do it in front of the art so they see what's going on. I have no <laughs> idea who this is. No idea who this is. My yeah. designer. Came in and was like, "This will look nice here," and I was like, "Those, you know what? Those black right. lines will look good." Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's dope. It works. It's like, so where are you? Are you in Manhattan or like where do you live now? I'm in Jersey, so I'm right outside of uh, right outside the city, right outside, okay, of, cool. right over the GW yeah. Bridge. So I can't far. dox him. He's too famous. Yeah, I that. can't tell him yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where he is. <laughs> Don't dox him. Is he in Alpine? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, not far. Not far. I play. I'll tell you what. Lot. If you played today. You signed that big deal, five for forty-five. You might be in Alpine. You might be in in one of those houses on that. This is true. Because golly, man, he I I told you he set the whole damn league on fire. And and this is funny. I texted Justin Tuck this morning to be like, hey, I got Vic on today. Give me some good stories. And he was oh, like, boy. he goes, he's squeaky clean. <laughs> Uh, so 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 he was looking out for you and then and then 10 minutes later he texted back and he said ask him why he was the only guy on the boat that had his shirt on oh god jesus (laughs) the the only blemish if there is a blemish that's the only blemish dog right there yeah yeah did you have tim's on I had tim's on it was listen we're playing in philly for christ's sake and we literally drove back, you know, we took the uh, the train, I believe, back. And we're all on the train like, yo, we're going to Miami. And I'm looking at guys like, guys, let's just wait a couple weeks. Like, we don't yeah. have to go uh-huh. right now. But then I'm yeah. also like, look, these kids go. are, they're also like locked in. Like, I, there was yeah. nothing I could tell them. Yeah. Now I'm in the mode of like, I just got to go make sure they get back in one piece. <laughs> Now I'm the dad, right? Now I'm yeah, like, all right, that. if y'all are going to do this, I'm going to go <laughs> there with right. y'all. Make sure everything's cool so we can get back in one piece at the very least. It's perfect. As a married guy, you got to at least act like you're that guy in some situations. Like, I'm just there to make sure everybody's good. It's uh, cool. But, yeah. You know, like. Just in the corner like this. Like, I'm not having any fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not having any fun at all. What? <laughs> uh, so, so what? Did, were you guys shocked at how big of a deal that became? Because when somebody, I was like, what do I want to ask Vic? Somebody was like, ask him about the boat. And then Justin said, I was like, man, this intrigues me. Because I actually think 
it was no big deal. I just think it was just. Nah, Tim's the, on the boat is crazy. The Tim's no, on the boat. It wasn't about the Tim. It wasn't about. It was kind of about the Tim. The Tim's kind of took off, took a, a life of yeah. its own after the photo came out. But yeah. yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked that like, I was shocked but not surprised. I guess I should yeah. say that shocked because I'm like, guys, we didn't do anything wrong. It was our off day. We went. We had a good time. We were back in 24 hours. We didn't miss a meeting. We weren't late for anything. No one was in bad shape going into practices, nothing. Like everything yeah. flowed the same way a normal week would flow, just a little Miami stop in the middle of that. <laughs> just a little <laughs> Miami stop. <laughs> People all. have bye weeks all the time, dude. Yeah. You're going to tell me they don't get back and I played really well off my bye weeks. It's just bad. I feel like it's down week in media. So they yeah. find something. And if you're a fan and you don't, I feel like sometimes fans, they don't like to see us having a good time. Regardless if you're yeah, winning you or losing, sometimes in their head they're like, "You should be training right now. You should be doing push-ups. You should be mathematically not possible. You should be have enough time taking to do snaps, that. or yeah. you should be in the playbook. That's what that's that's what they feel like you should be doing when it's in the season, like throughout the season. They feel like that should be everything you're doing yeah. because you need to be at your best to make sure their bets win. <laughs> well, yeah, it's all about the bets and fantasy. Well, here's fantasy wasn't that big yet or was it big when you when you it were going off? It was just climbing. It was just, mm -hmm. it was in the early phases, then it was just taking off. I don't even think DraftKings was there, yet, all these different brands, but I think it was just taking off as as uh at like when those years were happening, when the boat trip happened, for sure. Got it. Okay. Well, another thing about the boat trip is is like you're the Giants, it's the New York media. And like, if, if you're not gonna be on first take, it's still like an onslaught all week. Like, what was that like? And, you know, did you guys have people in the media that you were kind of like, I gotta watch, watch it when this guy comes in cause he's gonna try to divide us. Like, what's that like in New York? Cause I played in St. Louis for eight years. When I got to Philly and Boston, I was like, damn dude, they really care about what we have to say here. You gotta be careful. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a trip. We knew, uh, you know, there was a couple reporters you always knew not to give them anything or not to, Oh, you knew they were going to ask you the tough question or the question yeah. about the topic you didn't want to discuss. But you understood that going in. You understood the worst part was that, like, you know, you you could handle at least me like I'm an older guy at the time. I've been through the ups and downs with the media. I could handle it. Right. Like I just knew we got to we have to win now, though. Like we have yeah. to put a good showing together, win this game and then it's all put to bed. So it didn't hit the fan for me until we lost. And I was like. Damn, they're gonna ask me about this boat every for the rest of the year, even going into next year, because this is our last game of the season, yeah. playoff game we lost. Now it's gonna roll over into next year. And the first question I got, training camp the following year was, Are you gonna be a different leader this year and not go to Miami? I'm like, guys, yeah. we haven't even had a preseason game yet. Damn. So let me jump ahead to week seventeen. Exactly. Right? Uh are you gonna be in Miami? Uh Odell was a young guy, wasn't he a rookie at that point? Or was it first or second year or something like that? I think it might have been his second year. I think it was his yeah. second year. And funny story was that when we <laughs> flew to Miami, we went right from Philly to train, drove to the airport, took off. He was like, man, I don't have any shoes. Like, do you want to wear, like, do you have anything for me to wear? You know, I was always a guy, I'm packing a couple fits, couple whatever. Uh -huh. And I was like, I only have these Tims for you. <laughs> no. So those are actually my boots that he's wearing in the photo, which is even, oh, even better. Good. It's an even better story, actually. Oh, that's that great. That is crazy. That's so there was a time when Odell didn't have clothes like that. Well, I wouldn't say that, Chris, okay? I would just say that at the time, given, wasn't the, circumstance, given yeah. the circumstance, he wasn't. And me, being the wily veteran that I was at the time, I'm always ready. 
What was Odell like as a rookie? And like, you know how they talk about seeing George Pickens in practice, making these circus catches, like, just wait. Was there a time when y'all were like, just wait, you're going to see this guy, this guy from LSU and it's going to shock you? 100%. I think if anybody remembers, he came into our training camp a little hurt. So he didn't even yeah. practice a lot. He was kind of rehabbing, kind of getting himself back together. And I remember the first practice that he had with us. And they were easing him in, obviously taking care of him, but giving him a couple reps. First play from scrimmage, it was like, look, we're going to send him on a deep post and we're going to see what this guy does. And he sent him on a deep post. It's, you know, Eli airs one out and he literally, re it was back at the end zone, reached out with one hand, gripped the nose of the ball, tucked it in, did a flip, stood up on two feet and looked into like the offices of the Giants building <laughs> and was just, and was just nodding like, y'all cool. see it, y'all see it. Yeah. And I was like, I think we found our guy. <laughs> I, think this, yeah. I think this the is the guy. The way he we rolled, he <laughs> rolled and 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 stood up, and he's looking right at the GM's office. It's like they're probably in there, they're probably were in there yeah. going, ah, yeah, or, got one. <laughs> yes, shit, we're gonna have to pay this guy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. then they also was like, we probably should let Victor go so we can free yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. I've been in that situation, man, uh, <laughs> with the young guys coming along, and you're like, damn, dude. Uh, but, like, what's it like being, you know, a uh, former teammate of his and seeing him in Baltimore? I feel like I really like the fit. I thought the offense looked really good yesterday. What can he do for Lamar that people might not realize? I think he just provides that explosiveness, right? Like, I know they yeah. got Zay Flowers over there as well, but he provides nice. a level of explosiveness and a level of insurance from a receiver position that I don't think Lamar's really had up until this point, like, to, go, to line up every play and be like, okay, I got a guy that if everything goes wrong, I can trust him to throw the ball up in his direction and he's going to make a play for me and might make it a touchdown on top of that. So I think he provides a whole different element. I love the fit as well. And then just seeing him progress over the years, man, to, you know, he's, now he's a vet, which is like insane Great. to see it from the beginning all the way to this progression. He's been through the ups and downs of the league, right? He's been through the, the, the injuries, coming back, switching teams so he's understands the business side of it now so i think he's approaching the game so much differently and i was just happy to be someone that he could lean on early on and really just like pick my brain about different things especially starting off your career in new york it's not easy man it's not easy being injured early on as a rookie coming through that playing well having success and then switching teams having the turmoil with the gms in the front office and all of that good stuff and then having to switch teams it's just uh, that could weigh on you as a young guy coming up. So the fact that he was able to battle through that, win himself a Super Bowl, come out the other end of that, and now he's in the second half of his career with Baltimore, I'm excited to see where it goes. What do you think about what it's like to be a giant right now? If that game ended at halftime, I feel like you wouldn't even want to go back to New York. I mean, what's the outlook and how hard can it be when you guys are, are struggling? Those first six quarters of this year, man, I, I, I'm, I need to get my heart resuscitated like after those first six <laughs> quarters, man, because it was just tough to watch. It felt like, who is this team? Like, yeah. this isn't the team that I saw last year coming off of beating Minnesota in the playoffs and then have, and putting up a fight and then, you know, having the, putting up the points that they were putting up, the defense yeah. being what they were last year. I was like, this, this team is going to take a step. And the first six quarters didn't, didn't say so, but those last two. That third and fourth quarter, I think, really indicated what this team is and really indicated how much 
how much Daniel Jones is just a baller. Like he might not impress you with his arm and do it the yeah. way we want him to do it and do Super it the way gamer. it's tradition. He's just a gamer dog. Like yeah. he's tough. He can use his legs. He's got weapons all over the field now to throw the ball to. And you see a different, you see a different Daniel Jones now that he's got some guys around him now too. You know, he's got some guys that he can depend on. Jalen Hyatt coming into the game and providing a spark. Like, we got guys all over the roster now that can play. And I think that third and fourth quarter is what's more indicative of what that, I think this Giants team will be. And now it's up to Coach Dayball to kind of keep them on this level so that they don't have these lulls like they did in the first half. Is it safe to say, and this is a re- uh, relevant question if you look at Kansas City and some of these teams that have big turnover in the wide receiver room, because you know, like at the end of last year, Daniel Jones thrown to a lot of guys we hadn't heard of. Well, now Hodgins is more of a known commodity. You mentioned Hyatt, you bring in Waller, but the receiver room still needs to get better through the year. And I'm wondering how uh, and can a receiver room get better throughout the year? Like Rasheed Rice and those guys in Kansas City, like that's going to be a work in progress. What goes into improving the connectivity between a quarterback and a wide receiver room through a year? That's a good question. I think it's I think it's communication for the most part. I think it's understanding and communicating how you want these things done. And I think from a coaching perspective, it's delineating who are the guys. I think you're seeing okay. Shep in the game, Jalen getting his snaps, Paris Campbell in the game as well, Slayton's in the game. Like we need to defi- to define who our three wide receivers are going to be and who our fourth wide receiver is going to be when he comes into the game, and then we can operate holistically from there. I think. You know, you're seeing different guys kind of being in and out and kind of different, doing different packages for different guys, which I understand because we're deep. I think it's a luxury that we haven't had for a while, but I do like roles. I think roles are important on a football team. And I think especially, you know, micro teams on, the you know, position groups are micro teams. You get in that receiver room, right. you get in that linebacker room, you get in that D-line room. You got That's a whole nother team you got in there. So yeah. I think it works and it helps when you're in those receiver rooms delineating who the guys are and then everyone else can relax and kind of operate within their role it's like who does what who does what well you know what kind of routes are we going to run with this guy when we are we going to this guy in a man beater short yardage situation i feel like that's got to be harder to shake out in today's nfl i know the passing game is easier to replicate in camp than the run game mm-hmm. but with the cba the way it changed and i think i don't remember what your first year was maybe oh nine Twenty ten, twenty ten, yeah, days. We were in the, in the you trenches. Got one year of it, bro. In the trenches in the yeah. trenches. That you was know, like, for real. But you really run your offense a bunch, and you know there is more contact and that sort of thing. Is it harder in today's NFL? Did you notice your first couple years out of that CBA to get on the same page in the passing game than it was when you had more reps? Is that a bigger challenge? It's definitely a bigger challenge because not only do you have less reps, but it was it was shorter. Training camp was like two weeks and then you're into the flow of like weekly games and preparation and you're technically out of camp you're still technically in it you know from a practice perspective and and obviously from a team numbers wise but it was still very much preparation so it's definitely a little bit more difficult and then now i mean you take an an undrafted guy now to try to make a team is even harder because (laughs) how are you going to get the reps like i was a guy that was lucky enough to like Get the I got the reps, dog. Like there yeah. were vets that didn't, you know how it goes. Some vets don't yep. practice often. Yeah. 
you get bumped up the stat, you know, the stat sheet. Next thing you know, I'm in the huddle with Eli. And I'm like, okay, this oh, is happening. Man. This is happening. You got to try to, you got to steal reps any way you can. Yeah, any way you can. Oh, you ain't going? Perfect. I'll take those reps. Yeah. I was playing. Just tapped his helmet. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I was playing, I was playing scout offense to get reps. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> like, you were probably was, annoying <laughs> as hell on scout offense. What? Y'all, they Bro, hated him. Really? See, well, they I absolutely hated me on the offense, y'all. Hated him. What what would he do? Used to do he just he just try to block people, just walling people. So like when he decided to be like, okay, I'm just gonna wall you now, and then he'd like on offense like kick sliding, walling yeah. dudes, and just maul, and then like then he just maul them after that in the red and penny. Then, and then shout out to OC, OC, OC used to put the battery in my back with Tuck, Justin Tuck, and when I when he knew I was gonna play scout offense. He would be like Nate. Every, oh my he goes, god! Every, he goes, if you pancake tuck, he goes, I'll give you a thousand. <laughs> did you ever get? Did you ever get a and snack? Then, and then one day, the day he told me this too, and he goes, and every time you lock him up, because one day, like just joking around, I really locked tuck up, and he wasn't trying, but like me, like I, I'm always gonna go hard and You're practice. Always gonna try. And so, yo, he was like, he was like, yo, every time you stop him. The the D line coach actually said something about it, and was just like, mm-hmm. you can't get past Nate. Yeah. You can't get past Nate. Yeah. And OC was That's like, yo, OC was like, yo, if you do it again, Nate, he goes, he goes, every time you block him, he's like, I'll give you a hundred. He's like, if you pancake him, I'll give you a thousand. <laughs> and yo, the next practice, Tuck destroyed me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Tuck was like, let me stop playing. Let me we're stop we're playing dead in that, dude. We're dead in that the first practice. I'm taking a little tortle for that practice, and I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> Tuck was done. He was done. He was done with it after did that, that. Did that D-line room, uh, did that Vic and Nate, too, did that did that group just run the building? Oh, they rent, They had the most money. It was always exactly. money. Well, it's set up. Whoever has the bread, and we called it, they all have the, they had the left side of the locker room. So yeah. we're like, oh, it's money row. We woke up yeah. as money row, guys. Keep your feet, keep the voices down. And keep your feet light when you walk through here. This is, this is money you better. And then the you funniest better. thing about that is our our other fellow um, rookie at the time, JPP. Oh yeah, he had just got paid, and he was one of those rookies. He was the he was the rookie that if anyone said like just the regular rookie stuff, carry my pads, he'd be like, "How much money do you make?" <laughs> as yes. a rookie, yes. as a rookie, this was pre. So he, this was pre like new CBA, so he was getting. He got big money back then. Uh huh. So he was and he knew he was going to be good. Yeah, yeah, he knew he was yeah. going to be good. But he did he pay good. for the rookie dinner? Oh yeah, they did. Um, him and um Limbo. So I got lucky because uh, yeah. I had the wow, first rounder and the you. second rounder in my group D line group. A blessing. And so they were big like, time blessing. I just had to do the stuff like go pick up the food, everything like that. They they got they had to pay, which was a huge, huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge blessing for me. Buddy, because... I, I remember my rookie year. You know, I got picked high, and uh, I just remember getting a text from a buddy. Is like, you're gonna have to pick up that rookie dinner. It's gonna hurt. And then the rest of the draft, I'm like, draft some more defensive guys. Draft. They, they, they didn't draft a fucking linebacker until the six. I was me and a couple guys who were like, I'm not making much, man. And and I had to pick up like the whole damn thing. Vic was the was the rookie dinner bad for the wide receivers. I could I could figure the old NFL old Giants with those stingy old vets. They now you maybe they took it easy on you. 
But somebody had to get hit hard. No, we were good because they was. I mean, if you think about, it, we were still relatively young. Hakeem Nix was still first, second yeah. year guy. Mm. Mario Manningham was still like year three or two or yeah. something like that. Then we had Ramsey's Barden, Steve <laughs> Smith. Remember Ramsey's? Look at these names. <laughs> yes. dude. These names are crazy. Steve Smith. Yeah. Steve Smith was there, but he was only like yep. year four or five. Yeah. So he still didn't really care. And if you knew Steve Smith, he didn't really care. Like he wasn't yeah, yeah, gonna that. do it. So I got yeah. a, I kind of got out unscathed on that one because I was a, uh, it was the DBs. The DBs were trying to reel me in to their dinner yeah. so I could pass. be like, nope, I'm good with my clan <laughs> right over here. Oh, hey, Vic, you want to join yeah, us? Yeah, you want to join our dinner? No, no I'm good. I, have I think mono. I'm okay. <laughs> All right. So, so, uh, so, you know, you, you guys bring up being undrafted. Both of you guys undrafted came in together. It's really cool. I got the young whales uh, stuff <laughs> on right now. It's vintage still gear. Good. It's still, you didn't think I still, still have one. Good. I got one, bro. And, it's and a it's, comfy in, it's in good shape too, which it's is in surprising. Great shape, dude. It could go for three hundred on the street right now. <laughs> but but I'm not letting it go. Okay, so so you guys are both undrafted. Mm-hmm. Remember, you guys had hard knocks. And Hard Knocks was different. No, we, we didn't get, have Hard Knocks. Or no, well, you were it playing against actually, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Jets had it again. The Jets right. again. Right. So, so Vic goes off on Hard Knocks. And obviously, people aren't like watching every preseason game, but it is New York football. It's Jets, oh, Giants. No, but it was the opening of MetLife. Okay, too. so it's a big deal. Huge First deal. So my, ever. Yep. <laughs> you picked a good time <laughs> to go off. And my question would be, uh, how were the DMs after the game? And like just being a superstar in New York... Was there like a flood? Like there were a lot of them Saturday night. And then when Hard Knocks came out, was it like, yo, dude, I can't even get through these things. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot. I remember showing Nate. We were on the bus. Obviously, we're obviously very sad and upset that right after that game, all the rookies. Obviously. We had to go to back to Schenectady, New York. Oh, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that real quick. After the, we're all on the high, we're all in the locker room. We just won the first game in MetLife yeah. against the Jets. And they were whispers, sealing. They're like, oh, they might let us stay. But they're letting us stay. <laughs> so, oh, that's we're the like, worst. For no, they were like, coach is going to let us stay. And when they said, yo, you guys get to stay here, you guys just need to be back in whatever, blah, blah. Everyone's like, yeah. yeah. And then they were like, rookies on the bus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were sick. We were sick. I was like, we no. And no. you had to go to curfew too. Bro, there's there's nothing to do. There's no, no we were in dorms. Right, there was we there were was at 13 Albany, rookies. Albany University. There was like 20 rookies back at the dorms. No one else is there. Which <laughs> is me and my phone. I'm cycling through Twitter responses and I'm hitting up my family on text messages cuz Instagram wasn't really a thing yet to be yeah, honest. Yeah, what? Nope. So it was Twitter was live and flooding and my yeah. text messages were going crazy and I'm in Schenectady, New York staring at the walls. Yeah. His Text, I mean, his text and Twitter were going ham. Oh. Me and Victor before this game, this is no lie. I have the same Twitter that still has no motion. Oh, yeah, you guys had the same. <laughs> me, me and Victor at the time, I think I had like 500 to 1,000 more followers than Victor. And we, and we used to go back and forth la- laughing. And after that game, <laughs> LeBron James tweeted during the game, who is this Team Vic guy? And actually added him. He didn't even, like, he didn't, like, he like him. Me up. He, he looked, he me looked up him up, found his, his, his handle, added him. And I think I think Vic had, like, he got, like, 80,000 followers or something from that. Oh, I was dude. Blown away. Like, Through the roof. Blown away. Blown away. Over. How about LeBron tweeting at you? I mean, like, when LeBron chooses you on a Sunday... <laughs> It's like the other night he chose 
He chose that kid. He chose the kid for Colorado State. Yeah, it's not no, a good LeBron tweet no, to have Travis, happen. Yeah. yeah, but uh but but you know, when LeBron tweets about it, you made it. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. We were on that bus ride home and going he nuts. Like, he was like, yo, Nate, Nate, look. I was like, what? He was like, LeBron tweeted this. And I was like, yo, no way. Damn, <laughs> I remember just literally like I'm over the the um the back of the bus chair looking at Nate, just going through tweets, and I'm showing Nate, like, Nate, look, I can't yo. believe like yeah. showing him every five minutes, every time I refresh, there's yeah. like 40 more posts, more retweets, and I'm just like, yo, this is I can't even relax. I don't even know what to do right now. Well, that's the, that's the thing. You play in New York, you never know who's watching you. I remember I used to ball out against New Orleans and be like, I wonder if Lil Wayne's watching. He's a dog <laughs> cussing me. I'd love that. You know, but like nobody's there. He's not going to tweet at you. You play in New York and you ball out. Like, were people just, were you meeting people left and right that you were like, damn, this is incredible. I'm like, I'm famous. You're not thinking that way, but like the celebrities, man. Like, who's the coolest person that in person came up and was like, yo, I love your game? Oh my God. I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, Jay-Z for one of them, for starters, mm -hmm. and, and like so cool, being man. able to like sign and then later signing to like his sports agency and then yeah. sitting in a room with him. And, and my only question in the entire meeting, they had like four people speak, he spoke. And I go like, why me? Like of all the athletes you could choose in New York City or in the world, like why me? And I mean, for starters, like why, why am I the decision? And he goes, well, up until this point, you've done everything that I would do if I were in your shoes. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, okay. Wow. That's Noted. Cool. Where, where do I sign? Where do yeah. I sign? You were like, ah. <laughs> immediately, immediately. And he was cool. He was cool. Like, he, he was, was like, cool. He, he was easy, super right? cool. He's just a fan. Like, they have they have Sports Center and burned into their TVs in their offices. They don't watch anything else. They're just tapped into the game. And when he uh, obviously started to see me rise, the good thing about Jay, right, is that, like, He's still connected to the streets too. So yeah. as good of a, as I was doing on the field, he wanted to know what I was like, like when I was outside in New York right. City, How are you moving around, when I'm yeah. meeting different people that know him that I may not know know him. Right, and, and he's asking around. He was like, "Yo, Vic's a you know everything he got back was like Vic's a good dude and yeah. a humble cat and and a good dude to align with." And I was just man, like, that's so cool. Lit. That's so cool. Jay yeah. came to St. Louis one time for a game. Mm -hmm. The only person that could bring him to the Edward Jones Dome was Todd Gurley oh. and he was in our locker room after the game and people were like what the fuck like why we got this picture with him 40 shirtless dudes mugging up with Jay-Z <laughs> Jay's like what the fuck am I doing here where's Todd Gurley so um yeah we cross we cross paths um talk, talking about you know New York football another thing you know the Jets in a situation right now like they're in with Zach Wilson like there was the the back and forth last year with some hey looks showing up the quarterback a little bit when it was the quarterback who's fucking it up but yeah. like you know the receiver code of like no hands up mm -hmm. no palms up no showing your guy up there was some stuff like that last year i thought garrett wilson's done a great job all things considered of being classy as fuck because his career is in this guy's hands and he's not mm -hmm. throwing him the ball mm -hmm. i mean uh he is but it just, who knows where it is and i'm wondering if you ever had issues or instances where you had to navigate tension socially between a quarterback and uh, and, and the receivers, I figure not because of Eli, but how does that mm -hmm. go in that room socially? How bad can it be when when the connection's not there? Yeah, it could, it could get really bad. And it's, you know, and it's up to the leadership group in those rooms to kind of continue to write the ship and keep it on track because it can go left quick. And like you said, there's like, these are livelihoods, man. These are like yeah. people who got mouths to feed. People need to perform well on this football field. 
so that they can provide for their families. And the quarterback has the wide receiver's jobs in his hands, essentially. Like, if you don't throw me the ball, I'm not going to produce. Yeah. I'm not going to get paid. It's as simple as that. So, yeah. and I think that's what Garrett Wilson is thinking. That's what he's about. You know what I mean? And he wants to win now. He sees his window, everybody's window in the NFL is small. Like, he wants to win now while he's got the team. He sees the team that's around him. And he's like, we got the talent to do it. We're just a quarterback away. And it's a tough position to be in, but it's about that leadership group to keep everybody's heads on straight. And the quarterback has to find ways to play better. And it's up to the coaching staff too, you know? Yeah, no question. Um, you know, another kind of guy who was going through it in, in Tony, Kadarius Tony in Kansas yeah. City, and he start the season off three drops in the big ball game that everybody's watching. And I think he's the guy that actually gives them a differentiating factor outside. Like, he, you know, he's he's sloppy right now. He put the ball on the ground yesterday. He's obviously going through it a little bit. He deleted his Twitter. The yeah. Sauce Gardner joined him a yeah. week later. But, you know, like, obviously the guy's going through it. How mental can that be when you drop a couple? Uh, is it like a baseball player in a slump? Is it just like, how do you? Because I always figure when you guys make these tough catches, for somebody who doesn't catch the football, I'm like, are these automatic catches? I don't know how they're catching these fucking balls. Yeah. And, you know, I understand, like, dropping balls. Yeah. But for a receiver, it's your livelihood. What is that like when it happens? It's tough. I've been there. I've had three drops against the Cowboys week one. Wow. I've been there. Like, I've had those ups and downs, and I've had those moments where you're like, man. And in New York City, where, like, people are going to rip you apart to shreds, you know? So, yeah. for me, it was just like, all right, let's get back to the drawing board. Let's get on this jug machine. Let's work extra. Let's work harder. Let's focus a little bit more, focus a little bit differently, try different drills, do different things to get myself prepared. Like, you're a professional. Do everything you did to get yourself to this point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it wasn't just, you didn't just roll over and become a pro. You had to work at it. You had to perfect yeah. your craft. And I remember just, I just couldn't wait for the next week. I could not wait for the next week because I knew I wanted to put my best foot forward. I knew I was going to be prepared. And I remember the next week was... Tampa Bay and yeah. Hakeem had two oh two twelve and I had one eighty nine and two tutties and Hakeem had a tut like we went crazy. Granted, that's because I mean Eli do three picks, but that's neither here nor <laughs> yeah, that's neither know. here nor there. We had to I fight from behind on that. Yeah, we had to fight from behind that day. But I used to also love those games where we had to fight. Yeah, because I knew what you know we're gonna throw <laughs> the course. ball. You know Eli's gonna you know find you. He's got to drop back yeah. and get you the rock. So. I used to love those come from behind days. It's it's funny because it's kind of similar. D linemen and wide receivers, we kind of hope for the same thing in games yeah. because when they're doing that, that means Blow we outs. get the rush. Yeah, we yeah. Get that the means rush. we just get the rush. And they and get like to... the Houston situation <laughs> yesterday with Stroud throws for three eighty. I know he played well, but it's yeah. just like a lot of a lot of you know garbage time as they call it. But um, yeah, I, can a guy become a pro? Because you seem like you were a pro from the beginning, right? that's ingrained in you, you have your work habits. I'm not saying Tony's not a pro, yeah. but you know, his track record's one that's like mixed bag on kind of getting along and that sort of thing. Can, have you played with guys that you were like, they were just train wrecks as rookies and then they learned how to be a pro? Um, I think, well, not, not necessarily a train wreck, but Odell was some of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he had a little, he had himself a little bit more put together, I, I would say, but yeah. he definitely had his fair share of, of ups and downs that we kind of had to write the ship in the locker room yeah. and, uh, just have conversations. It wasn't nothing more than just having a convo and letting him know, uh, what he's worth, not only to this team and this organization, but to himself. And what that matter, what that means to him, and how he wants to be portrayed moving forward. And like, screw the media, man. Screw who's talking. Screw who's going to ask you these questions. Worry about you. Worry about how your yeah. family perceives you. Worry about 
how you know your your teammates and your family here within the building perceive you like that's what's important that's what's going to carry you through and i think those conversations helped him helped him immensely and i think Cardarius tony's one of those guys that you know i heard some rumblings uh when he was with the giants obviously for that for that cup of coffee when he was saying different things behaving a certain way responding to certain things from the coaching staff a certain way where it's like you got to kind of earn that a little bit you got to right. kind of earn the right yeah. to say yeah. those things a little bit. You can't come in out the gate and because you're a high pick or you're somebody that they've invested some money into, you just can say and do whatever you feel. You got to earn that. You got to earn that on the football yeah. field. You got to earn that with your teammates in the locker room. And then once you start to put some production up and you start to show us that you're all in on this thing, then you can have a little bit more say. And I think that's where he just needs to grow up a little bit. It just made me think about Kenny Galladay, and I'm just hoping he's doing good. I have no idea what's going on with him, but I felt for him last year. I mean, Same, I was just thinking about that. Um, I was thinking about that wide receiver room and just Tony to be so talented, but to be cut loose and not used, like that really spoke to how dysfunctional maybe it was. Uh, and I actually listened to his music. I like Young Joker. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think he's all right. You know dude. what, man? You know what, man? Okay. Young Joker? Is that his rap name? Yeah, Young bro. Joker? Yeah, go check it out. I'm, it's on I, Spotify, I, bro. He's not on Twitter, but he is on Spotify. I'll give him a stream. And he's on Instagram, I'll him, too. I'll go give he, him a stream. Give him a stream, bro. He, he, it's not that he could use it. He's got a lot of streams. Um, okay, yeah, single digits, man, because a lot of guys are going the single digit route. Uh, you were number three, I guess, in so preseason. Mad. Yeah, what happened with that? And do you think the guys look good in single digits now? Well, I think they look good. Uh, you know, the the swag in me loves it, right? Like, I'm like yeah. single digits all day. But then, like, the the fan in me is like, who's that? Is that Daniel Jones? <laughs> yeah. changed it? I don't know yeah. who that is. Like, you can't <laughs> yeah. figure out who some of these guys are now because they changed yeah. their numbers and things like that. But I'm actually just jealous, to be honest, man. If I, get, yep. if I got to rock the number three, like... <laughs> like on the field, three like looks just good. The, three looks so clean. Does Shep I mean, wears three. Shep wears three, and he looks Bro. so clean. <laughs> are you it's just so like kind of mad at him when you see him? When you see Shep, or you every like, time I see, because you know, me and Shep kind of had the same body type. Yeah, frame. yeah, yeah. I like, so I like. I'm Shep, looking yeah. at him, and I'm like, that would that. That's oh, what I would have looked like in my jersey. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. and and the worst that, part. Yeah, that the clunky worst part, eighty. That's how I feel about Brian Burns and Zero. It's uh, we we look the same out there. No, the eighty story is it's it's just ridiculous. So I remember making the team right, and I'm ecstatic. I'm coming in. I'm like, I didn't get a call. I'm coming in the next day, Vince McMahon strut. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, coming through the locker room. And I'm like, all right, I can't wait to see this number three jersey with my practice. Now we, and also, Nate, you already know, we had blue high school musical lockers, like, in the yeah. middle of the joint. And now you made the team. You get the... You, real, get a, you get your real locker. Yeah. We finally get our real I charge, locker. Yeah, you I could charge my yeah, phone. My I could phone. charge my phone. <laughs> oh, God. I could charge my phone. I could charge my phone now, man. It was a yeah, game changer. So I yeah. get to my locker and I look up and I see 80. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm undrafted, guys. I, I can't I can't choose. Can't say, I'm dude. just putting this jersey on. And I never forget walking out. And OC was like, 80. <laughs> OC was like, 80. I guess I guess you're going to have to make it work. And I was like, I guess I will. And here we are, 80, eight, you know, eight years later. OC, crazy. OC's the reason I wore 72. Well, I didn't have a choice because there weren't any fucking numbers left. But I was like, OC looks cool in it. 
and I tried to chop clubs and everything. It just didn't work the same, you know? So <laughs> for him to come at you wearing 72 about the 80 is kind of kind of crazy. I had 75 and that like other yeah. than other than your pops <laughs> like I didn't know anyone. Kyle's going to take <laughs> umbrage. Uh, <laughs> Kyle wasn't in the league yet though, no, so he, he can't wasn't. say you're that. Right, you're he right. can't say that. 75 is not the worst. Remember Jaquay Parker, he played defensive end in Philly back in the day. He might be a little older but than for, you Vic, but, but but for inside, bro, I'm a one technique. You're right. It's a little bit it's a little it's bit a little so, hazy. So, so. See long, how do you different. feel? There's a lot of D and Nate, you too. There's a lot of D linemen out there in number 0 and he one. He hates it. So I did I do hate I well, here's what I hate. Like knee jerk changing your number just cuz you can. Like there were certain guys last year that I was like, "Oh, you just did that to do it." One looks terrible. Your jersey looks huge. You look yeah. like kind of. It's like, marketing. It's I forgot cool, who bro. you are. No, I get it. I get it. I know you're a big marketing guy. <laughs> but, but my thing is, like Brian Burns looks sweet and zero. I don't think there's a cooler looking player in the league than DeAndre Swift right now. He might look like the coolest motherfucker in the NFL. Okay, so when it works, it works. But then when Josh Jacobs goes out there and puts that eight on his chest, yeah. and the eight is the size of his chest because the font's all <laughs> fucked up, yeah. he's rushing for negative two yards, you're like, what's going on? <laughs> Maybe you change your number because you're like, it's going to be bad this year. Yo, he so bought, now, I, Chris doesn't, he doesn't know it, but he low-key body shames on, like, body when, shames. If, you're wear, if you're wearing a single-digit jersey, I think it's a body I'm shame. I'm going to shame that, that outfit. <laughs> Is what I want to do. <laughs> hey, my mom needs her drapes back. Dude, she called me and asked it. Don't hate. I'm not hating, bro. I'm not hating. No. I got the young whales on. This is timeless. You, you guys both look great. Nate is very Nate. Nate, if anyone knows Nate, Nate's been dressing like this forever. This isn't new. So and tell me, tell me something I don't know about Nate. Maybe take a shot. Oh my goodness, man. You know what surprised me about Nate? I'll give you this one story about Nate. I remember I was, uh, you know, we were in training camp. We we're, we're just met each other that year. We're hanging out. We're already best friends at this point, hanging out every day. And I was like, you know what, Nate? I'm going to take you to meet some women down in Washington Heights. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take you down to Dykeman and just see how just see how he responds. Brought him around. Just put and him when in I the deep tell water. you they love him, <laughs> they embraced him with open arms and... To oh the point God. where I call, I will call you. We have days off, and I'll be like, "Yo, Nate, I haven't seen you in a couple. Where you at?" I was like, "Oh, I just shot over to Dykeman real quick. I'm just hanging out for a little. Hanging out. I brought you there one time, and you're already making friends hanging oh, out. Oh, he's gonna take you down there now. now hey, now Vic, I'm I want to take you down to Washington. The funny, a funny story about that is, at that time, I had just we had, we we're, we're in camp, mm-hmm. so I had my mother's Easy Pass in my car. And I was wigging out going through the tolls. <laughs> and my mom's like, what are you doing right now? I'm my easy pass. She's like, how is it? She was like, you're paying. She was like, you're in the NFL now. Take it off. Put, put like, she was like, you need to get a credit card and put it on there now because you, you're not going to be doing this. She's like, how are you going back from New Jersey to New York this many times in a week? <laughs> Like fifty bucks a week, my guy was yeah. doing. Yo. Serious, he brought you to Crazy. the heights, man. Crazy, yeah. he brought you to the heights. That That's great. a fucking good one, dude. Hey, <laughs> I'm not surprised though. That's the thing. I'm not surprised at all. All right, my last question for you, Vic, okay. and we'd love to have you back another time too, because it's great catching up. But you know, when it came to uh, when it so hold on, when it comes to today's receivers, I know there's like guys that I like at defensive end and. 
invariably it's always like the guy that reminds you of you sometimes because mm-hmm. like you know you like the guys that are great but i'm like yeah you know i can't relate yeah <laughs> uh but for you you know who's who are the elite slot guys or elite guys that can catch balls in the middle of the field that you're like man i, I really like this guy he, he might remind me of me and some of the dirty work i had to do uh is there somebody that you identify with this in the league now there's a couple guys, and um, you know this. It, it's funny because the slot guys are kind of everything guys now. Like Stephon the, Diggs, like the ten years players. ago, would be a slot guy. Like technically, mm-hmm. if you had the category, yeah. but he plays everywhere. He's outside. He plays everywhere. He's inside. He does it all. So between Diggs and I love, I mean, I know he's injured this year and stuff, but Cooper Cup has always been one of my favorite guys yeah. to just watch play the game. He plays the receiver position just the way it's supposed to be played. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like gritty, strong catches the ball out of the out of the sky and then just just does some really great thing. And then Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase, another guy that can play any and everywhere. He can put him wherever you want. And he has the ability and the skill level to run every route in the book. He can go up against linebackers and run those intermediate routes and he could take the top off too. So I just like the, the guys now that are slots and could do everything, you know? What's the um the young guy's name from LA that's going crazy? Nanuka? Oh, Puka Nakua. Oh, that guy N- can play. Nakua. Dude. Nicole. Like he might be the next Victor Cruz, bro. Yo, how, how you I love like, it. 20, 25 catches in his first two games. He's breaking <laughs> records. That's that's crazy. Dude, that's awesome. It's, it's just amazing when you give a guy like as an undrafted guy, especially coming from like one double A. We always said this: like, give us some facilities and give us like a pool in our locker room or something, yeah. and you're gonna see a different guy because all guys need is an opportunity, and some guys some guys don't make the best of it, but the guys that do and appreciate it and put their ability on display. Good things usually happen from that. Well, you brought up the double A, but like, you know, um, uh, Travis Hunter and those guys coming from Jackson State, I know it's not a a clean analogy necessarily, but, you know, there's a big carryover. Good football players can, you know, can play at any level. And, you know, Shadur was like, I don't read the jersey on the, or the name on the jersey. Like, you know, I think the small school guys, there's got to be some trick to finding them. But when you find them, they're just as good as everybody else and maybe better because all of a sudden, hey, it's not just, hey, I was playing against maybe less talented defenses, but now I got a great quarterback, great playmakers around me, the whole thing. So I'm yeah. loving watching Colorado. I love watching Colorado. I love what Coach Sanders is doing out there with those kids. You can tell they just love him. They appreciate him. They appreciate what he brings to them as a coach. He's fun. <laughs> like, I'm watching yeah. these highlights and clips on Instagram or on TV. I'm like, I want to go play for this guy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you're starting to see other athletes – like, I just saw, uh, what was that, Etienne po- yeah. tweeted. He was like, maybe my little brother needs to go play yep. with Prime. And like, And you're going to start dude. you're gonna start seeing that more and more and more. So, um, but, yeah, man, you give, you know, I think my head coach in high school, the, I'll never forget the first thing he said to me was like, if you are good, the NFL will find you. You yep. could be anywhere in the world, the NFL is going to find you, and you will yeah. be playing on Sundays. And I was like. Yeah, that, that's what led me to go to UMass. I mean, it was, it was also my only scholarship, but that was like, <laughs> if I do well here, they'll find me. And, and, yeah. and they found me. They found you, bro. We found him. Yeah. Victor Cruz. <laughs> Cruz. Legend, dude. It's great to see you, bro. We got to get up soon. Definitely, We, uh, we got to come up for a game and, and check in on you. Yeah, it was definitely so, good talking to you. Appreciate you taking the you, time, man. man. Thank you. Always definitely got to get brothers. you on. And I'm not yeah. going to lie, I got, I got to get you on my Facts my, in the my, King. My, my Facts in the King show, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. See, okay. the, you didn't realize yeah, that we're, we're going to double book you now. It's a fucking trap. <laughs> trap. Yeah, I'm all good. 
Just let me know, Nate, so I can bring the matching floral shirt too, so we can catch the same. Be on the same page. We can coordinate next time. I got you. And I hit you with the Spider-Man point on the screen. Uh, Yo, crew. good to see you, man. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, guys. Be safe. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App. With multiple tools for saving, spending, and sending, Cash App is an all-in-one way to stay in control of your money. But what happens when life takes an unexpected turn and you find yourself losing control? I got a quick story for you. The other day, we had our third child. Her name is June. We brought her home from the hospital here in Montana, got home to our cabin, and the plumbing was out. So that's that's a pretty bad first day. We go to bed, 2 a.m., the smoke alarm goes off, the whole house is awake, wasn't my fault. But that's losing control. It happens. Bottom line is I can't control the plumbing going out. I can't control the smoke alarm going off at 2 in the morning. But what I can control is my money. A great way to stay in control of your life and to stay in control of your finances is Cash App. So download Cash App in the App Store or Google Play to see why it's the number one finance app in the U.S. App Store. You know, here's the, here's the reason I can't judge the guy from Colorado State to the point where he deserves death threats. When we played Trinity Episcopal in 2003, yep. maybe 2002, I played lacrosse. I came out for the team. Didn't know my elbow from my ass. They gave me a long pole and they were like, don't worry about picking the ball up. Just whack people with it. You can't, you know, pick it up over your head and whack people with it. But like, we're going to put you on like the X, which is like the really shifty guy behind the thing and just try to lock him down because I was an athlete in the whole thing. So I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. The only time I ever picked the ball up, I saw one of my cool, you know, fish friends, like fish fan lacrosse friends who had like a hacky sack. He picked up the ball and ran down the sideline like he was scooping an egg or something and he didn't even cradle it. Mm -hmm. He held it out in front of him, I'll never forget. All 200 people on the, in the stands were like, oh! <laughs> the girls were going nuts. And I was like, if I ever get the ball, I'm gonna do that. Cause I can't cradle. We're playing Trinity. Motherfucker's coming down the sideline and uh, I just deck him. Like he doesn't even have the ball. <laughs> like, I don't know what I was thinking. It was like I malfunctioned in the moment and just hit the guy without the ball. I guess maybe he lost the ball or the ball went over his head, but I just was like, oh, I was like the guy. It was the right sideline too. And I, I, I wasn't trying to be dirt, dirty. Like now when we went up to play the Maryland teams like Landon and Boys Latin and all those fucking- Short Kings kicking our ass. There were a bunch of good looking short Kings out there with all this, this money in their bank accounts. They got 401ks already. They're up there on these beautiful sprawling campuses and they're just kicking our asses in front of all the, the, the hot prep school girls. And why are there prep school girls there? I don't know. It's a all boys school, but the girls are getting in their nice cars to drive over and watch them kick our asses. They're beating us like 17-6. It's emasculating. I just want to hurt them. Now, not in like a dirty way, but in like, I just want to run into you hard and see what happens. So I got me a hickory stick. Nice. Some of the sticks are titanium, but some are uh, as, uh, you know, the Iroquois intended the they situation. They a lot more when they hit you. Yeah, so I got one of those, and it actually broke on one of the landing guys, okay? So I'm just saying, I'm judging the guy from Colorado State. But what if I got some death threats? I think I was like 19. I got held back in high school. I could be that kid's age. He's a kid.
I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Maybe he got caught in the moment. It was dirty. But this is an opportunity to bring it up because we got Paul Rabel on. I'm going to tell a lot of lacrosse stories. Okay? Fucking, we had a huge defense, man. Huge D. Huge D. 240, 250, 235, man. Those boys Latin guys. <laughs> Finger fucking their girlfriends, be like, oh, I just, I just beat a bunch of Neanderthals today. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just, they're up there like, you see me rip that, that heater from behind the axe. Like it's just, and I'm sure somebody from Landon Prep is listening. No disrespect, bruh, but that wasn't my sport. All right, and so with that, you know, this is. Presented by Cash App. Uh, the good folks at Cash App are the, the, they got their name on the PLL championship coming up. You can bet this game, take the over, little spoiler, you know, a little Easter egg there from the Rabel interview, which is coming up in a second. But yeah, like Cash App, when they signed me, they were like, yeah, man, be yourself. And I was like, can I do segments about, you know, preppy guys in Baltimore, finger blasting <laughs> chicks? talking lax before I talk about the <laughs> and they they didn't say yeah but they were like be yourself anyways I love those guys at cash app boys Latin guys not so much Paul Rabel might have been one of those guys you know fuck he's a tall guy too 6'3 usually when those guys come around I can be like yeah but they're little not him total stud here's Paul Rabel all right, this is the first, I mean, this guy's like the head honcho of, uh, of the PLL. I don't get a lot of like brass on the show, but uh, he's a guy I've met. He's personable. He's done a lot in his 37 years. I mean, this guy has got the irons in a lot of fires and uh, I'm welcoming to the show, Paul Rabel. Paul, how you doing, man? Appreciate you, Chris, man. I've been trying to uh, link with you through one of many mediums for now five, <laughs> six, seven years. So we see each other in person quite a bit, but it's nice to to have this conversation on your show. No question, man. It's good having you. And the guy who played a little lacrosse in high school, I'm not saying I was great, but they so kind of gave heard. me. So <laughs> I had heard. Yeah, yeah. So I, they just gave me the long pole, and they were like, we're not really going to tell you the rules. I, I remember hitting a guy at Trinity, and I want to apologize to this guy. He's a private school in Richmond. I hit him like the Colorado State guy hit, hit Travis Hunter the other night because I didn't know the rules. Yeah, you know, yeah. The guy missed a pass on the sideline, and I just leveled him, and they were like, what do we call here? Did they throw a flag on you at least? <laughs> no, I think they did, and the ref was like, hey, buddy, you, you, you can't do that. You need a little penalty box time. So I loved it. We had a big defense. We had James King who played at UVA. You probably know James, about yeah. your age, a little bit older. Um, and then uh, Anthony Woodard, who went to Hopkins, actually. Yeah. Uh, and that was how I used to go up to Hopkins to hang out with the football players and yeah. go to Preakness. I bet you you and I have shared a couple Preaknesses. You know, we, we, that was the thing we used to say at Hopkins is that in our four years, we'll never go to fucking Preakness because we're still in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we we don't want to go to... We used to be like, you know what? You know, every, every, every season before the Towson game, we'd be like, they're going to fucking go to Preakness. <laughs> That's good. So am I. <laughs> no, nah, but the football team, we actually got along with the football team at Hopkins. We'd all go and uh, have some adult sodas at PJ's after PJ's. games. Yeah. Place. But yeah. that was our local watering hole before going out downtown where nothing good ever happened. 
Well, let me tell you about Preakness. Not much good happens. Uh, I remember one year looking up and seeing 100,000 glass bottles flying through the air. It was like the beginning of like a Braveheart battle. Right. People just started to throw them, you know, and uh, I was like, that's going to be the end of Preakness for me. Uh, But I I didn't make it back up. But a Hopkins guy, man, so much respect. Great player, man. You know, you obviously just making the transition from the field, actually, while you were doing it to, like, ownership and, like, being – one of the top dogs, a co-founder of this league. 2023 Cash App PLL Championship is Sunday, the 24th at 3 Subaru Park in Chester, PA. We got the Water Dogs and the Archers. My Barstool boys got the Water Dogs. Big, big Dan Katz is probably going to bet this game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I should take the other side of it. But what do you see in this matchup, man? If I'm betting the, the yeah. over-under, I don't know if you call it that, it's 23.5 goals and it's a pick em. Well, both teams have the best offenses in the game, and they both have really strong defenses. Water Dogs won last year, as you mentioned, Big Cat and PFT. They, uh, they're, they're Water Dogs owners, mm-hmm. and uh, they talk about those guys quite a bit. Uh, I, I was actually messaging with Big Cat just a moment ago, being like, yo, let me, um, let me pick up your airfare and lodging, get you to Philadelphia for this game. He was like, bro, I have so many NFL commitments. I was like, how about, just, just thinking about it, how about I get a monitor on the field? And then I started thinking, is that a good look for us if he's like watching the NFL during our games? But so, so let me get back to it. Big Cat's a fucking man. Love, love the PMT guys. Water Dogs are ridiculously talented. They have... The, the level of chemistry that you would expect from a championship team, back-to-back years, we know it's hard to do that in any sport. And then the Archers have been the number one team this year. Uh, basically, I mean, they're a two-loss team, but but really should have, uh, could have had a claim to being undefeated, and they have the MVP and Tom Schreiber. So I'm hoping for, as now just a pure executive, I'm hoping for an overtime or one-goal game that sustains Tune in, audience flow, long tail conversation in the next season, and I'm expecting that. But you never know. Our playoffs have been a little bit crazy so far. Yeah. Do you, you as like one of the head honchos, do you like root for you know in the NFL? Yeah. The, the game is is engineered in today's you know kind of context of like we need scoring. You know, like do you guys feel the same way? Will you take like a a physical like big hit game, uh, or would you take the you know twenty to nineteen game? I mean, I appreciate big defensive battles. So I think I actually like living on both sides of the spectrum. So 20-19 is an amazing game, and I actually like a 6-5 game. Yeah. If you're sitting in like 10-7, 10-8, pick a side, right? So yeah. I love mm-hmm. good defense. My brother uh, uh, played defensive tackle at Dartmouth. He's my business partner with the PLL. So I sort of grew up in the locker room and understood – sort of the mindset of a defensive player. I always had that mindset even as an offensive player well in my pro career. Uh, so I appreciate both ends. But look, we, we have engineered the game for pace. You know, our, we have 52-second shot clock, two-point arc. And I think that's just modernization of pro sports. But trying to create a game that is just absolutely ideal for television. Um, and so that, that's what we've been working on over the last five years when we launched the PLL. And I think that uh, the game this weekend will demonstrate that level of pace. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bet the over. I'm just telling you right now. And I want little scouting report on my guy, Jeff Connor. I just want to shout out Jeff Connor from the Water, Water Dogs. What do we see from the Virginia product? I mean, hardcore alley dodger. So that means he'll, he'll split 
to his right and his left and shoot on the run. Sort of like a throwback midfielder. You don't see that too much anymore because the, the style of the game has changed, much like you would have in football if, if, you're, uh, if you're growing up in the 70s and 80s, you're, you're building your skill set around run game and now yeah. you're building it in the air. And I think when I grew up, it was all on the run, like just being fast and athletic and shooting down the alleys with a low angle. And then that's gotten sort of flushed out for sweeps across the middle and higher percentage shots. So he's a throwback midi. That's why I like him. We also talked about Ryan Conrad before the show, also a throwback sort of do-it-all athlete. You know, could have definitely played in the NFL um, I would say athlete like that caliber. Yeah. Wow. And and you got a football background. There is some crossover. I yeah. feel like lacrosse is cool because it's a combination of a few sports. I mean, if you've played basketball, you play defense. Yeah. There's some elements. If you play football, there's probably some elements. Um, you got to have great hand eye that you can build in other sports. Like, but you want to grow the game, right? Like, there's there's all types of corners of the market that you're trying to hit. I know of Harlem lacrosse. I know you guys have interfaced with them. I love Harlem lacrosse. I I, I know there are power five football schools that I'm like, hey, why don't the Florida Gators have a lacrosse team that's not just a club team? Like, why can't some of these teams compete at a higher level? And then is there an international aspect of it? Like, are there pockets around the world that you you see yourself being able to grow the game, like in those three categories, if you can remember them all? I mean, huge. So I would say starting backwards and forwards internationally, we are once again an Olympic sport. We got that official recognition in 2019. We, were, we used to be an Olympic sport, 1904, 1908, and then 1932 when the games were in the, were in the LA Olympics. Then we sort of like disbanded as a governing body and have been working on that over the last 20 years. In 1998, the first international US-Canada game I remember watching on ESPN, there were 18 countries that were playing. But it was always like USA, Canada, Iroquois, Australia, England have good teams. Japan has a good team. Now they're over 90. Now they're over 90. Um, And we are crossing our fingers having completed the bid that we're going to get back into the LA 28 games. But I always tell people the cachet that the Olympic rings carry from a validation and just a universal language of, got it, Olympic sport. Those guys, those gals win gold medals. That's huge. Um, on the university front, I mean, bringing in SEC lacrosse, which by the way, those universities have club programs. Uh, it's called MCLA lacrosse. The, the challenge for our sport is, I mean, just call it a spade a spade. Football in America is just so fucking massive, right? Yeah. And when Title IX was introduced, it was meant to offset uh, the disproportionate investment into men's sport over to right. women. And so for universities that are making hundreds of millions of dollars playing football. They've obviously kept that P&L the way it is, and it's offset by women's sports because you get 84 scholarships in football. So there's not often team sports that are started up on the men's side as there are women's. And women's Division I lacrosse has grown so fast as a result. So like Stanford, Oregon, Cal, they all have really good teams, Clemson, yeah. Uh, so I think that, well, the, the roadmap still is private funding. So Utah lacrosse was the latest and furthest west of a Division I program that's privately funded by this guy, David Nealman, who co-founded JetBlue. Yeah. Uh, so we need more of that in like the Alabamas and Tennessees of the world. Um, but that, that certainly would elevate the conversation. And I think the access to new fans to the sport 
And then the last one was Heart on Lacrosse. So we work through our nonprofit arm called PLL SIS with dozens and dozens of nonprofit groups. So you have Harlem, Brooklyn, Bronx, City, just here in the boroughs of Manhattan. And then you have and then you have groups like Oakland Lacrosse far out west and, and Winners Lacrosse in DC and Owls Lacrosse in Chicago. So we help invest by getting sticks in hands of those programs and goals on field or goals on court. And our latest investment was an initiative that we launched and ran last week actually here in New York City at KD and Rich Kleiman's Lower East Side Court. So we called it Street Lacrosse, but KD and Rich are investors in the PLL and they were like, how do we help get lacrosse in the community? Yeah. Right. So I'll talk a little bit more on this. I know I'm being long winded, but no, you're good. It's interesting to me. Lacrosse is, is not too different from hockey and golf. I would argue that those are more difficult to access because of ice time and green tees. Yes. But we all have equipment. And where sport is so fucking great is it's an ultimate equalizer. Anyone who, who wants to play should be able to play. And that's why ball sports like hoops and soccer are so popular. Globally. So you don't get that in games that are expensive. So how do you then invest into making it less expensive? So for us, it was like, cool. In every neighborhood around the country, there's a, there's a basketball court. And so let's build a game that you could play on the courts, just like we all grew up playing pickup hoops. And that was what we launched last week. It's called Street Lacrosse with KD. And we actually had a little bit of a battle of the boroughs where we brought in all of those orgs, Harlem, Brooklyn, Bronx, City. And those programs competed. And then we brought our pros and they played pro games. And it was just so fucking great. So more of that type of stuff where we invest in the community is also a big part of what we're doing. That's awesome. And you can't cut back on the equipment because I just read that you used to shoot the ball 111 miles an hour. So there's no, like, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe they could just ditch the equipment. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I mean, dude, that was the first thing I remember. He didn't invest. And it was maybe because of this, but I remember having a conversation with Peter Goober, who's one of the owners of the Golden State Warriors and like major Vegas mogul and media executive. And he grew up playing lacrosse as well. And he was like, can you figure out how to play this game without helmets? <laughs> if you can do that, I will invest because you know, I want to see faces. Yeah. And, you know, the balls in headspace. So even when you, we, we piloted tennis balls. If that thing hit you at 100 miles an hour, it would blow up your orbital anyway. No question. <laughs> no question. What happens? What's the worst you've seen somebody get hit by a lacrosse ball? Like, I mean... I'll pull up, I'll text you photos of, uh, of goalies, legs and arms and hips and stuff like uh, that. They just wear a chest protector and, and a throat guard with their helmet yeah. off his nails, man. They get in the net and those balls come at them fully dense rubber, 100 miles an hour. Oh. And they'll just mark up their whole body. I worry about some of their blood clotting and stuff from time to time, but those guys are just their own fucking animals. Animals, dude. Those toughest guys on the field. I guess I don't have to ask that question. Who's who's a guy in the NFL? Because like I played for Bill. You yeah. know Belichick a little bit, and and I know he tried to get you to convert to football. We had Chris Hogan uh, on our team, Mike P Pellegrino, dude. Yeah. I I know well um, from my time there. Awesome dude. Um, and then you know like there's just. With the Jim Brown history, I mean, with Bill, I remember we played the Browns and he was like, stop the bus outside the stadium. And we all had to get out and take a picture with Jim Brown statue. And like a lot of it has to do with lacrosse. And, you know, it's the football thing, too. But there's a deep appreciation. There's a little bit of crossover. So I'm wondering who's a guy in the NFL that you would like to see play lacrosse? If you could just pluck one guy or a couple guys to bring them uh, to your league, to PLL, um, who would it be? Oh, man. 
man, that's such a good question. Let me let me think on that for a second. And I'm going Lamar. Okay, Lamar. Lamar. Travis, I mean, Travis Kelsey. And by the way, Lamar went out to Charm City Youth Lacrosse, which is the version of that league I was describing in Baltimore, and had a catch with those guys at Morgan State, and I uh, was tweeting about lacrosse, and uh, the whole community was going nuts. Lamar would be would be crazy. I, I think about like I think skill position and speed. So Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, people that are like, man, that are just a little bit larger than life athletes. I think the crossover from football to lacrosse and lacrosse to football is, is there and documented, right? Yeah. Like two guys that I played with my year, I mean, I'll give you one example that I could talk about a lot, but went from playing attack as an offensive player to offensive line was Will Yateman. Oh, wow. I mean, Will, that, that shows like, Fuck, man. Like, we could talk about Chris Hogan and Chris is a beast and, you know, Trent, yeah. you know the, with Penn State All-American midfielder and then went over to Monmouth, played a season of football, and then, boom, had three Super Bowl rings. Uh, but Will Yateman, probably when he was playing with Bill and then other teams in the league, I think he was, he was like a probably a seven-year journeyman in the NFL. He got up to 310. Fucking mitts, twice yeah, yeah, the size yeah. of mine. Yeah, and, uh, that's a big boy. I'm looking at him right now. Because a lot of people think people like you, Chris, and, and Will is like, oh, they'll play defense. But nah, that some of the best linemen in football have the best hands. Yeah, they like centers in basketball. The softest, most underrated hands to catch a pass behind the back from Chris Paul on the run. Yeah. Unexpected. You have soft hands. So I would say, I mean, I would say you can't miss on 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 guys that are like speed wide receivers even safeties um but aaron donald probably oh yeah fucking great you know yeah that would be <laughs> no and and are there fights in pll because you don't want aaron donald beating up no you don't no, no no yeah i mean there, there are there are fighting uh there's not a there's not a ton of it because of the implications a five minute penalty on 12 minute quarters would yeah, be that's a long case. time it's a lot of time. Yeah, we take five minutes, but that is based off of the NHL, and they have 20-minute periods. So, you know, guys, there's plenty of, like, roughing situations that happen, but nobody's thrown down this season, like, full-on square off. I, I always say this. Hockey and lacrosse are the most culturally similar uh, group of guys. They're just yeah. from different regions, and the, the hanging with them is kind of the same. Yeah. Like, I got a bunch of hockey buddies, and I've – I fucking love them, and their accents are different than y'all's. Yeah, but yeah. it's there's a little bit of crossover there. Yeah, well, I mean, they're Northerners, and a lot of them are Canadian. Yeah. And so the crossover is that uh, lacrosse was created, uh, the, the, the version of the game that we see today in Montreal. The, the, the game that's been around for thousands of years is called Dehontique Wahes, and it was created by the Native Americans. And it was, it was first formed as a spiritual practice of the creator. And they would cut down hickory branches and bend them into lacrosse sticks. And then French missionaries came over into Canada, saw the game, called it lacrosse. And Montreal Lacrosse Club was formed. And since then, it's been a national sport of Canada. Yeah. So they, but they play a lot of the indoor game. But that's where a lot of that crossover from hockey to lacrosse. I mean, John Tavares was an exceptional lacrosse player, as was Wayne Gretzky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you just you get that crossover probably in the stickball nature of the game, but also the, the, the type of people who play it tough, you know, just kind of um, 
don't give a fuck type of guys who just yeah. want to get on the field and get their elbows dirty. No question. And a lot of lacrosse slang, a lot of hockey slang. You guys yeah, yeah, have yeah. your own your own vernacular. So uh and and uh my last question to you, Paul, would be this like it's a growing game, obviously. You have done amazing things with it. You're gonna be kind of at the forefront here, you're young dude. The whole roadmap's in front of you. What does that look like? What's lacrosse look like in ten years? Like where do you see the sport? I mean, I wanna be a top five sports league in North America difficult to do because you have so much competition and so much establishment. But the thing that I think about with lacrosse is, especially if we get into the Olympics, you have the international game, 90 plus countries that are playing. You have the fastest growing at the participatory level and you have the most historic game in North America. So I actually view it incumbent on us to be able to make that dream a reality. You know, and you nailed it, man. International college youth. And then if we keep doing our job, then we'll help grow the attention around all. But even if we don't get into, and how would you qualify top five team sports league? Probably by viewership and, and total revenue. But even if we're not there, we always want to be the best pound for pound. You know, and I think that's where we are now, too, in the way of like our size and scale and the sort of like the helmet that everyone proverbially puts on every work day to just fucking be the challenger league and yeah. and sort of right the wrong of where professional cross used to be over the last 20 years and so now we're trying to do um and that that's the stuff that gets me up and lean into the the passion because you guys have a really passionate yeah. i wouldn't call it niche because that's not a that's not a backhanded compliment but it's like it's the people that love lacrosse love it more than you know some people that love their other favorite sport because they know it is a growing sport, and I feel like you, you, that comes across when you meet a lacrosse fan or you go to a lacrosse game, and so that's really cool. My, my, I lied. My last question is, if Big Cat called and he's like, I'll come to the game, but you got to put me in the game, where would, where would Big Cat play? And then if PFT's like, yeah, I'll come too, where's PFT going to play? Um, I would say... I would say... Probably throw Dan in net or, or have him. Where take, he doesn't have to run. Or, or, or like have him take the opening face off. Yeah, I'd think a face off guy. Take a face off. And then PFT maybe in the midfield or on a wing. Yeah. Or draw, just let them like get out there in the most primitive way and try to cut people up. Yeah, we need to go kick JMU's ass in lacrosse because they just beat <laughs> us in football, speaking of PFT. So. Um, yeah, Paul Rabel, appreciate the time so much. Keep up the great work, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you.